She's dead. Wrapped in plastic. You didn't hear it just then? Okay. Well, that's, that's weird because Audacity picked it up, but oh well. It's got to be a way I can pipe it back to you. Maybe there has so. to be. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Because you get your mic. What is your mic coming through, Ovu? Well, it's going through the voice meter first and then to Ovu. And Ovu is taking its taking its input. Yeah, that's the way it is. It's, it's taking its input from the voice meter. And so, when you send the, the um, soundboard sound to when you play it it goes to the sound it goes to audacity uh yes it takes it yeah it takes input from ovu which is your voice and my voice from my microphone and sends it to audacity through the the mixer yeah yeah yeah, I just think if I yeah, if I could hear what was coming out of the mixer, it might be a delay on my voice that would be that would cause me to talk like <laughs> you know how it is when you hear right when you hear your voice echoed back a half second late, later. Yeah, you definitely wouldn't want that to happen. Yeah. I mean, definitely we're both experiencing delays because sometimes we have a tendency to talk over each other. But right, right. But I, it's not I, bad. Well, it's funny because I feel like I hear myself in my headphones, but I, I, I really don't. Now that you say that, oh, I hear you in my headphones, but I do not hear myself in my headphones. I don't think. Hmm. I'm surprised that hasn't thrown me too, because like when I record my songs that I've got on SoundCloud, right, in Audacity, I, I lay down the music track. And then I sing over them. But when I sing over them, if I put this, the sound back out to my headphones, it's delayed about a half a second. And that's why some of my singing is kind of slow, because oh. that delayed echo is affecting the way I sing. Yeah, definitely. Um, hmm. And I ha it's hard for me. If I don't do that, I, I can't really. Uh, it's hard for me to sing without it, because... I'm so used to having the sound of my voice in my headphones from being in radio. Right. Um, but now that you're now that we're saying that, it's like, you know what? I I just realized I don't hear my voice in my headphones. I hear my voice through the sound, you know, through my voice. And uh, I hear you in my headphones. That's interesting. Yes. Uh, sometimes when we're recording, I'll I'll take one of the one side of the headphones off of my head so that I can hear my voice better while I'm talking to you and still be able to hear your voice, of course. Gotcha. I think I just talk so damn loud that I hear myself fine. <laughs> yes. Of course, you have one of those headsets with a microphone that sticks out of one of the earpieces. I know you're not using right. that, that microphone. Right. But it could be that just the channel there or the canal that's created by the the, the, the piece of plastic that's holding that microphone, maybe sound is being transmitted to that side of your head, just like it's a, possible. Like someone talking through a tube at you, or you talking to yourself right. with a tube. Right. That's Yeah, it's certainly possible. Uh, yeah. It's funny that, that I don't hear myself clearly in my headphones, and this is the first time in 27, 8 episodes that I've <laughs> even snapped to that, because having... 
worked in radio for so long where you hear yourself in your headphones. Right. It usually bothers me when I don't. And that's interesting that it just never, hmm. it never hit, hit me before. Hmm. Anyway, right. kind of an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. It, um, I guess it would be good if you could get like instant audio feedback. And if we were, if we were using pure analog audio equipment, you would be able to do that. But since we're dealing with digital right. stuff and, you know, we're talking with the talking to each other voice over IP that, you know, that's an introduced delay. But it shouldn't be that much of a delay from, you know, your voice talking and then feeding back just through your computer. But I guess it is, you know. Well, like I say, when I when I'm doing it just with what, you know, doing it with just through Audacity. Right. Myself and and turning it on to where I can hear what's going through audacity in my headset it yeah. isn't a it isn't a major delay it's definitely like probably a half a second or less but it's enough to really throw you oh you're hearing like because the, you're the mixed output the music right plus your voice correct oh okay well, there's got to be and a so, way that you could just hear the music only you would think oh yeah yeah, there is a way. You you don't set the vocals or the or the mic input to play out, but when to to play, yeah. But when I do that, yeah. I, it, I can't fully hear what I'm singing, and I and it, it, to me, it's even worse uh, because I'm so used to hearing it when I sing. Because before, when I recorded songs like that, I did it in a in a analog studio at a radio station you know the kind of studio we use to make commercials and things right right and obviously there's no delay or at right least an imperceptible Which, delay when you're dealing with, right. with the analog audio right mixing it's funny now because i'm sure radio station production studios are now digital right but you've got to be able to hear hmm. you've got to be able to hear yourself talk when you're doing a commercial yeah well, I think that's just higher end electronics to where the delay yeah, I'm is, sure it is. You know, is kept to an extreme minimum. Right. Or either it goes through some analog system to headphones and digital to capture. Yeah, that's very likely. Yeah. 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 Maybe we should look into that. Research that. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Screw that shit. Well, I, yeah, yeah, that I sounds get, like work. Yeah, I guess you could always have like a, a you know a separate earpiece to hear your own audio, kind of bootstrapped onto your other um, system. Right. Yeah. I'm. Yeah, there has to be a way, and maybe it's just not possible with Audacity, but it's possible with a a better program. Yeah, that that may be the case. Some a better program may play back play back to the headphones live, but yeah. capture on something you're not. Uh, on on a, on an output you're not hearing. Yeah. Of course, also with Audacity, there are several different audio drivers that you can be using, and some are, are faster than others. Mm. Well, that's true. It may be possible to do it in Audacity if you upgrade it or have the right drivers or something. Yeah, because I know there are some that are uh, more efficient or work better with what whatever particular uh, audio processor that you're using or audio card that you're using. Right, so, right. Like that. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you may need a... You may need a sound card that you can plug a external 
headphone uh, amplifier too or something. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, who knows? I know. I just need to look further into it. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I should too. I would, I would really like to have it to, for recording songs where I can, uh, because it would be great to be able to hear yourself live while you're recording a song mm-hmm. instead of having that half second delay because oh. it really affects the way I sing. Of course, yeah. It's like if you could get rid of that, you could, oh my gosh, you could, yeah, but, um, up the quality of whatever you produced for sure. Right, yeah. right. That's that's pretty disconcerting, yeah, to hear a delay like that. That Yeah, it totally throws me. Uh, and I remember when I first started messing with Audacity, mm-hmm. I looked into, you know, I got online and Googled and looked and tried to find a way to stop to make it better and i couldn't find anything in fact i think i found something that said it just wasn't possible with audacity Mm. um right but but i don't remember ever finding anything that said oh use this program you won't have that trouble or you know i just don't remember finding Uh, anything that was helpful at all mm, um but but i may not have searched enough i don't know this is the most boring pre-show ever well (laughs) we don't have to keep it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know, in regard to audacity, what do you mm-hmm. expect for free? A rubber biscuit? <laughs> exactly. You can't <laughs> gripe when it's free. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> I know. I know why this is such a boring pre-show. Because we're why is that? We're a couple of sickies. I. That's right. We're two sick motherfuckers. Yeah. I tell you what, man. Yesterday I was. I, oh yeah. I felt like shit. I was feverish. Oh. You know. Today they, I woke up and uh-huh. I didn't want to go to work. I was just like, uh. Wow. I mean, you've been. You've been. This shit's been lingering on your ass for weeks now. Yep. In fact, I've been sick for a full month. It was the twenty seventh. After Christmas break that I first started feeling sick. Holy fuck. And, uh, yeah, it's been an entire month. I'm better, and I feel like I get better every day, but then I'll have a day. Part of it was last night I didn't get enough sleep, so I got up this morning and I just was felt awful. Oh, right, right. And, and then I thought, oh, I'll go home and take a nap, and then I got home, and of course I didn't take a nap. I hmm. started drinking Diet Mountain Dew. Oh. <laughs> Diet Mountain Dew is not going to help you take a nap, man. I'll tell you that right uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> hop, oh, hop man. Your ass up. You'll be all hopped up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's I, I love Diet Mountain Dew, but I got to stop drinking it at about four in the afternoon or I will be up all night. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. You're one of those uh, caffeine sensitive people that, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I, I, know, I, mean, I, I know never a lot know. Of people, you know? Yeah. If you have. Any caffeine beyond a certain period of time, it's keeping you up at night. And uh, right, luckily. I mean, and the bad thing is, is if I'm tired and I'm like, oh, I'll drink a Diet Mountain Dew, and then that'll help me stay awake. No, it doesn't work that way. Wow. It's just if you drink it, you'll be up forever. Yeah. Unless you're super tired, then it won't keep you up. You'll fall asleep. Ah. Okay. I don't know. My body has always done weird things. Mm-hmm. My whatever, whatever. Uh, whenever I've taken uppers, it always puts me to sleep, and when I take downers, I'm up all night. So. Wow. You know, back back in the day when I would do things like that. Right. 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 You know, as a guy who could snort a bunch of cocaine and then go to sleep. Wow. <laughs> ah, maybe you had ADHD. 
it's possible. Yeah. Uh, It's certainly possible that especially, I I mean, that's, that's an interesting, never really thought about it, but I do have a hard time concentrating and, and, and keeping one thing going Mm -hmm. unless I really concentrate, really try. Yeah. You and me both. I never finish product. I never finish projects of a personal nature. Really? I do finish them at work. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. I, I can finish stuff at work, but at home, I, I will start something and then I'll move on to something else after, you know, depending on what it is after a while. Right. And it's like, I'll just, I'll just never really get stuff done like I, sh- you know. Well, that's true. Of course, you know, your work life cuts into your ability to necessarily f- keep continuity on a project and after a long day of work it's kind of hard to regain motivation to uh work on a project at home right come home and do something that that you kind of consider more work especially when you have a job jobs like we do where you know not that you know our jobs are are definitely mental yes you know more than physical and so yeah some days i come home and it's just like i don't want to think anymore right i just want to turn on the tv and not think anymore yeah, no, I hear you. Um, uh, speaking about caffeine, though, and ADHD and shit, um, funny thing, if I drink one cup of coffee in the morning, I just want all I want to do is go back to bed. And <laughs> it just, it just like completely mellows me out and relaxes me. Wow. So, so then I have to, but you know, after that second cup of coffee, then it has the intended effect and, and then it has the, you know, waking me up characteristic it's just like that low dose caffeine just happens to uh yeah be a sedative it's crazy so that's interesting i wonder if it's also to do with the because it's warm and Hmm. you know yeah well that's true that's true suppose i drank iced coffee in the morning what what effect would it have would it have a different effect you should uh, you should do a test okay do a test run of iced coffee one morning and just see what happens okay just for the fun of it yeah. Sometimes before we uh, do a podcast, I'll drink some iced coffee, and usually it perks me up. So, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Hmm, but, uh, well, shall we start this podcast? Sounds good to me. You ready? I got an intro set up. Perfect. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to count it down and do it. Okay. In three, two, one. podcast weird from the live music capital of the world austin texas the city that brought you stevie ray vaughn zachary scott ben queller the fantastic fest sixth street bob ray wiley wiggins Polly Esters and Eeyore's Birthdays Party. Also, the world's largest urban population of Mexican free-tailed bats. I almost forgot them this time. It's a slippery slope. The podcast with the dazed and confused, Mark Browner and Lodger. Hey, Mark hey. Browner. We are indeed. Yes, we are. Yeah. Dazed and confused. We um. Hey, man. We are. Hey, by and the way. a little bit sick, too. What's Fantastic <laughs> yeah. Fest? What's Fantastic Fest, man? It is something you would ask me. It's something <laughs> that Alamo Draft House started, and oh. I believe when they first started doing it, it was uh, a festival for, like, new movies that were of a sci-fi and horror genre. Oh. 
but I'm not sure. I'm not that sure about it. I've actually never gone. It Ooh. started. It's one of those things that Alamo Draft House started, and it's kind of grown as time has gone on. Wow. Okay. Hmm. I'm gonna have. To, and it uh, may have been like sci-fi horror. Um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, action hero. What do you call those movies? Right. That are comic book inspired. I don't know what. Oh, okay. Superhero hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We'll have to Google it. Okay. But I know it's grown <laughs> and grown and become more popular as time has gone on. Wow. And I I don't know if Alamo Draft House actually started it or if someone else started it, but they did the screenings at the Alamo. Oh. I feel like Alamo Draft House was involved from the beginning as more than just a venue. Okay. So I feel like they helped organize and and that kind of thing. So. All right. Well, maybe. You know, we ought to keep our eyes open and find out when that's uh, happening again and make a uh, plan to to go see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of it's grown. I do believe the first one was just a few days, maybe even over a weekend one time or a three day weekend. I feel like it's I feel like it's in April or May. Like maybe it's maybe it's around Labor Day, but not Labor Day. The other one. Memorial Day. Okay. Um. But, yeah, we'll have to Google it, and maybe on the next episode we'll talk about it or something. All right, cool. All right, well, thank you for letting me take you down that slippery slope. And uh, Oh, no problem, man. On with hey, the show. I will also <laughs> I will say our disclaimer because heaven knows when we're recording this, we are in the first week of uh, Trump's presidency. Oh, my and God. And it's been a shitty week, oh. and we're not going to spend much time talking about it because it's just a waste of time talking about it, in my opinion. No, it's, yeah. But the Tom fuckery, man. Is, <laughs> the Tom fuckery is rampant. <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, I, will, I will use our disclaimer, which is, yep, we know life is shit, but we like doing this show, so we're going to do it anyway. Hell, yeah. Yes, there are. There are more important things going on in the world that we could talk about, but true. We we like this show to be just a respite from all the bullshit, where we can just sit back and have some fun and talk about things we enjoy. Although the first thing I have on my list to talk about, of course, is all the people who've died since the last fucking show that we did. <laughs> oh my god! Oh yeah, that's that's ridiculous. How many? Uh, yes. I know. I know. I know you have been busy today, and I don't know if you've been online uh, before we started recording the show, but when we're recording this, uh, John Hurt just died. Right. Did you hear that? Yeah, I saw that yeah. you had uh, either uh, um, shared that uh, story or something on Facebook, and I was like, man, yeah. really? Really? Yeah, uh, Just which I had forgotten that he had been – he had cancer and had been uh, – uh, dealing with that for a while, and I th- oh. I think it was in remission for a while, but um, he's been undergoing treatment and stuff at times, and so um, you know you just kind of forget about those things sometimes because it's not part of your daily life really. Yeah. Even though I adore John Hurt and think he's one of the most amazing actors of all time, yes. um, um, I had just kind of forgotten that he had. He had uh, shared within the last year or so, I believe, that he had been undergoing treatment for cancer. So, I see. Um, do you know what kind of cancer that he was? Had? I don't off the top of my head. Oh, okay. Um, okay. yeah. Well, that's so. Um, yeah, yeah, loved, it's totally. Loved, yeah, loved him in. You know, I uh, Elephant Man. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Jesus um, Christ! I mean, that's really the first thing I ever saw him in. 
when I was a teenager, when I saw Elephant Man when it came out, which was, I think, 1980. um, So I would have been about 17. um, That performance Mm -hmm. was just amazing. Right. No, no doubt about that. Um, Now, did he do that before or after uh, he was in Alien? You know, that's funny. I looked up his... um, I looked up his filmography uh, earlier, and I didn't notice. I feel like Alien was more like 78, 79. I think Elephant Man was after Alien, but I did not see Alien when it came out. I actually did not see the first first Alien movie until about four or five years ago. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. I had just – I actually saw Alien 3 is the one that I had seen, which I liked. Um, and, and other people hate, um, oh, it, really? it's, yeah, it was directed by, I think it's now, you know, sometimes I think things and then I'm totally wrong, but I think it's directed by David Fincher and it was his first movie, his first big movie. Um, at, and at that point he had done a couple Madonna videos and, and it was very kind of artsy compared to the other aliens, okay. alien films. But I liked it a lot. But, of course, I hadn't seen the first two. So and I've still never seen Aliens, the second one, or any of the other ones. I've seen the uh, first one, and I've seen Alien 3. Alien. And I, I couldn't tell you anything about Alien 3. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> obviously, uh, the the first one is, is, you know, my favorite because it's 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 a classic, you know, in my book, I guess. Of course, Ali- Aliens is entertaining because, it. well, I don't know. I don't want to go into it, but I I really liked Aliens a lot as well. I mean, hell, I like. And I all remember. Of them. I like the Prometheus. Right. I like Prometheus too, and just any anything, um, you know, following that storyline is entertaining to me. Um, well, and I think um, I I don't know I I think um, what's her name Sigourney Weaver has been in all of them. Uh, um, although maybe she wasn't in one. I don't know. Uh, but um, no, yeah, she was in. I think she was in all of the Alien movies. Uh, yeah. She, she was not and in the Prometheus uh, movie. Ah, uh, okay. Which is like, a, which, you is know, a, which is a prequel to uh, the first Alien. Gotcha. Well, then it makes sense she's not in it. Right. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, Sigourney Weaver being a badass, that you cannot go wrong with that setup. You know, that's a guaranteed good uh, movie, in my opinion. She's Agreed. awesome, I think. Well, yeah, I, I think, like her a lot. Yeah, that was that was the you know the first alien was the yeah that put her on the map that made her a known quantity yeah. in Hollywood and uh, she just right. t- took off from there. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's she's done so many good movies. She's in. I always like to like go mention something maybe that people haven't seen. She's in a movie called Unsung Here. No, it's not called Unsung. Here. What is it called? Oh my God! Now I gotta Google it. I think it's called Ordinary Heroes. That's just amazing. Ordinary and really Heroes. Really good. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Well, let me let me Google that fucker. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. You're gonna oh Google my God! It. I can't. Okay. Well, while you're googling yeah. it, I'm I'm gonna apologize to our listeners. I've had a fan running behind me. The for the past uh, 27 minutes so there's going to be some humming behind my voice but oh well oh you know what i've got one going too that i should get up 
and imaginary heroes it's called imaginary heroes came out in i believe in 2003 um and emil hirsch is in it and kevin klein and it, it was kind of a um independent movie um and um i'm sure there are people who hate it but it's i thought it was one of my favorites hmm. amazing movie imaginary heroes mm-hmm. okay i'll i'll have to and uh check it out give it a listen a look yeah. uh whatever yeah it's it's kind of a different i can't remember much about it i've got it on dvd but i haven't watched it for a long time hmm. i'd like i need to watch it again uh i just also want to mention about john hurt um okay uh, he oh, yeah. he was in uh, a version of 1984 that came out in 1984. Oh, of course, God, yeah. How could I forget that? 1984 was... is one of my favorite books. Yeah, same and, here. Uh, that that it, movie version is amazing. It is. Uh, I think uh, uh, John Hurt is a, a perfect Winston Smith for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I had read the book many times by the time that film came out. Well, three or four at least. And uh, when I first saw him, um, I didn't it didn't strike me as what my image in the book had been. But then once I saw the movie and then I've watched the movie several times, he's just perfect. Yeah. In that role. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, So amazing. God, the scenes where he's in room 101 with uh, Richard Burton. Richard Burton pulls a tooth right out of his head. <laughs> it's just fucking Fucking crazy, wow. amazing. Yeah, and it's, um, it's been many years since I've seen seen it. Uh, but yeah, you just mentioning that to me just yeah brought it all. Remember, yeah, brought brought a lot and, of it back into focus. And then that movie had music. Originally, it was supposed to have a a soundtrack by the Eurythmics, but I don't think exactly. they used all of their Eurythmics movie, or the Eurythmics took some of the the soundtrack they had written and made new songs out of them. Also, kind of based on 1984, oh, which I right. think the Eurythmics album is called 1984, but I could I, be wrong about no, that too. I, I think you might be right, but yeah, the the Eurythmics really got screwed in this deal. I mean, I guess maybe financially they probably did fine, but little to no Eurythmics music actually is in the movie. Uh, I think the most Eurythmics right. music that you hear is during the uh, the the final credits, and uh, could could be true. Yes, I, I, yes. I, I think I remember it was a very big stink about that at the time only because i remember I, something about that yeah. too yeah because i was a big eurythmics fan at the time and so yeah i kind of I, remember I just, that i and, think and i was excited about you know the eurythmics possibly you know doing the soundtrack but then yeah after seeing the movie going wow where were they right and, and then read the something later that... about, about how yeah they were just totally fucked over um in in their talent in that their talents were not utilized um as was originally promised to them. Right, right. But, and I think the saving grace of that is that album is so amazing that it, at least it got released and, you know, you can hear it because when I hear that album, I see the movie in my mind, you know. Oh, in fact, okay. when I yeah. when when I had my own uh, cable, you know, when we did Loop TV on cable access here in Austin, right. I also, for part of the time, did a, a show called The Lodger Showboat, which was uh, yes. just mainly like a clip show. I would play different music videos and mm -hmm. clips from different this and that. It was just kind of a 
collage. It was a great. Um, it was a great show. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. One of the things I would do sometimes would be take video footage from something and put it over a song, like like making a music video, but not as I didn't spend a lot of time. I would, you know, I would kind of let. It's almost like being high when you let them when you put on an album and watch the movie at the same time with the sound off. That's sure. what a lot of it was. So ah. there were a couple of. Um, music videos I did using music from the Eurythmic soundtrack with with video from the movie laid over it. Oh, um, okay. Uh, creating that's your own... that's kind of how I um, saw it in my mind. Right. Creating your own um, Pink Floyd thing. Uh, what was kind it called? Of music videos. Yeah. What was the thing? The dark that, Side uh, of the Rainbow. Yeah, Dark Side of the Rainbow, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Which... Which for the uninitiated, if you put on Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and watch Wizard of Oz with the sound down and it syncs up, it's, right. it's pretty damn amazing how well some things sync up when you do that. Yeah. Um, of course, you have to know the secret of when to start You know the album. Um, and, uh, and right. I, and there are plenty it's of a, uh, things online that tell you when is the proper time. That to, will help you with that. Yeah, to start yeah. The, the album or the CD or whatever you have right i think it works easier with the cd because there's a definite set point it's not like dropping a needle in a groove so well exactly um and uh one other thing that um john hurt was in which i've never seen and i'm oh i take that back i think i saw it once i think i rented the video once Mm -hmm. uh he's in a it was made for the bbc it's a television movie called the naked civil servant it's Hmm. based on the writings of a guy named quentin crisp Okay. And Quentin Crisp is kind of was kind of a he moved from uh, England to the United States and became kind of a, a New York celebrity for being he was like a gay man in his late 70s and 80s and mm. kind of he would he would give um, he had written books he would give speeches you know put on presentations where he would talk and he became kind of a, a cause celeb in the 90s he was on letterman and um so it was based on a book he had written where that was an autobiography where john hurt played quentin crisp in the naked civil servant and um that is an amazing kind of um early i mean it was written in the 70s i do believe the movie was made in the early 80s maybe even the late 70s for the bbc so it's kind of a groundbreaking uh lgbtq plus um uh, film and book that's well worth looking into uh, for the historical nature of it. Hmm. Quentin Crisp was very witty and very um, his, my favorite quote by him is uh, it's no use saying you want to be a ballet dancer when you've been a pig farmer for 20 years. <laughs> uh, after 20 years, pigs are your style. Oh, wow. wow. So yeah, he was a really interesting guy. Huh. Was he almost kind of um, a, a British uh, Truman Capote? Very much, very much so. In kind fact, a... the Sting song, A Gentleman in New York, is about Quentin Crisp. Oh. Hmm. So. Well, that's an interesting yeah, so, little sidebar yeah. there. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting to know. Um, wow. Yeah, I'd like to see um, Naked Civil Servant again. I'll have okay. to go online. I'm sure you can buy it on DVD, and and I know I rented it on VHS uh, years ago. So okay, and that's a movie. That's not like a BBC series. Correct. It was a it was a movie made for BBC, so it's only a couple uh, hours, hour okay. and a half. Hmm. All right, sounds um, interesting, but really, really good and interesting. Um, so 
There's two people actually who've died with a David Lynch connection this week. Oh, that's true. Because the other one was Miguel Ferrar. Yeah, that was um, unexpected. Of course, totally. Yeah, I, that just completely came out of left field. Of course, I guess apparently he had been ill. It, it, he did die of cancer, right? Is that right? You know, I don't remember now off the top of my head. Yeah, I thought I had read that that was the case. But, uh, of course, I, I would hate to be giving uh, bad information, but uh, I'm pretty sure that is correct. It probably was. I, you know, I think I don't remember because I was just so shocked when it happened. Right. Um, and all I could think about was how, you know, how awesome he was in Twin Peaks playing Albert. Oh, my God. Yeah, um, the best. Um, I remember when, when Twin Peaks first came out in the eighties, me and my mom would watch it together and we loved him as Albert. He was so <laughs> funny and yes. and so, you know, so unique of a character cause you, cause he's kind of an asshole, but you loved him. Well, it was yeah. so funny. <laughs> well, he was an asshole and then he was an asshole and a philosopher all rolled into one, which was amazing because I mean, at first he was just an asshole making wisecracks and running down the, the locals and stuff. But then, you know, toward the, the end, he, you know, he admits that he, um, he loved, uh, Sheriff Truman with that big, right, long, yeah, with that, that big, really long, beautiful speech that he gives, uh, in, uh, gosh, I don't know, was it the beginning of season two? Uh, you know, I'd kind of forgotten about that, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. He, I uh, know you told me. Mm -hmm. You told me you've started rewatching Twin Peaks, the original series. Right. I've, and, uh, um, I'm, I'm like four episodes into season two right now. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I definitely want to rewatch it as well, but I'm going to wait till just a little bit closer to when it's going to start on Showtime. Because right. uh, the new series starts on Showtime on May 21. Mm -hmm. So I might not start watching it until April or so. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know what? You know what's so interesting is that it's so easy to get through season one because season one is so short; it's it's only eight episodes long. But right, season two, which was the last season, I think there's like twenty two episodes in season two. Right, isn't that crazy? And, um, but that's because it, it was, is because it was having problems, and and I think its time slot got um, moved, and then there was talk that several it was times, be, more than once. Right, it was maddening that you know it was it was being shuffled around to to different uh, nights and stuff because I guess the um, the uh, the ratings had gone down after season one. And uh, unfortunately, well, there was, the, the general public just wasn't ready for a show this uh, avant-garde. Well, there was some things that happened. I mean, the network fucked them over, not only by changing the time slots, but by hand, by how they handled the show. And uh -huh. of course, by the time season two rolled around, Lynch was filming and working on Wild at Heart. And, oh. and um, uh, Mark Frost had some other shows on TV. I think at that point he had American he had a show called American something American. It was a documentary series on Fox. Um, oh, okay. And so there, there were other things going on, and I, they all, so I think they got distracted and lost interest a little bit. And then, you know, from the from the get go, Lynch and Frost said, "We don't want to ever say who killed Laura Palmer. We want the show to never come to a conclusion on that." Right. But and uh, ABC insisted that they that they name a killer. Uh, somewhere in season two, and they feel like, and I think they felt once that happened, once they named the killer, oh. that 
uh, it just took all the air out of the series. Yeah. And well, I mean, for I mean, I think, for some viewers, but then they had already started, you know, other storylines, and then you know there were still underlying stories that they never, you know, those arc never those arcs never completed, you know. But right, unfortunately, right. yeah, well, the, the original arc. You're right. It kind of concluded, I guess, and so yeah, people lost interest. I didn't because I was in I was in love with you know David Lynch and the and the style of filmmaking that he did, and the right. show was so unlike anything else on television that I I wanted it to go on forever, and I didn't. Yeah, who cares about Laura Palmer? I, let's I let's like, get on to the next story. Right. I, like, I like the the Wyndham Earl storyline that, that they branched. I, off. I hated that. Oh, I hated the Wyndham Earl oh, storyline. Okay. I hated Billy Zane coming into the show. Well, I okay. hated Duchovny yeah. uh, as uh, Denise, the, the right. trans, trans, the um, she was um, what he transvestite. Yes. Uh, all those th- there was there was a lot of things I hated the Wyndham Earl storyline. Okay. Um, there were a lot of things that started happening that I didn't like, but I still watched the show religiously, and I was yeah. Sure. The fact that uh, they named the killer of Laura Palmer didn't didn't make me go okay. I'm done watching. Okay. Um, but but I there were there were things going on in the second season. Some storylines started rolling around that I didn't like as much. Okay. Um, oh, the whole love but, story know, between um, um, yeah Billy Zane, Billy and, Zane and Audrey Horn. Right. Okay. Uh, Cher, what's her name? Sherilyn, not Sherilyn Finn, the other one. Oh, f balls! What is her name? Um, the the brunette. Sherilyn Finn played Laura Palmer, didn't she? No, Sherilyn Finn was was Audrey Horn, right? Was Audrey? Yeah. Who, what's the name of the actress who played Laura Palmer? Oh God. Cheryl. Cheryl, Cheryl Lee. Something Lee. Cheryl Lee. Isn't oh, Cheryl shit. Lee something? Isn't you would it? have to ask. I know, that. right? Isn't it terrible? <laughs> well, we should just call instead of a slippery slope. We should call this like brain fart. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would call we're it. We're constantly trying to. I call it butter dicks on ice. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> um, we're just constantly trying to like. What was the name of that thing? And of course, you know. We don't plan ahead for this show. Right. I I put I put a few notes together, but I don't have lengthy. Well, sometimes I do, but anyway. Um, yeah, Cheryl but, Lee Cooper. Cheryl Lee Cooper. I'm almost sure. Cooper. Not Cooper. Where'd you get Cooper from? No, just That's, it's just yeah. Cheryl. It's just Cheryl Lee. It, it's Cheryl Lee. You're right. Yeah, she played and, Matt. She played and Laura Audrey, Palmer and and Maddie Ferguson. And Audrey Horn was played by Sherilyn Finn. Sherilyn Finn. Yes. And then there was another girl. I used to have a Sherilyn Fenn poster hanging on my wall. <laughs> I, uh, I, sure did, I sure Finn did. Fetish. I sure did. I sure did. Yeah. Um, who, who didn't? Okay, you didn't. And wasn't there a third girl that? I yeah. mean, there was Madchen and Mick. Right. And there was um, the girl who played Josie Packard, uh, Joan Chin. Joan Chin and oh. Lara Flynn Boyle. Lara Flynn Boyle. Who she, she played. She played Donna. Donna. Yeah, the doctor's yeah. daughter. Wow. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's yeah. funny because um, they're all three pretty girls, um, which, of course, wasn't why I watched the show. But well, no, um, I, I know that was a, a plus for some guys. Um, Definitely. I certainly was. thought um, I certainly thought the guy who played. Uh, oh, Jesus. You know, the Laura, Laura Palmer's boyfriend. Oh, I know you're talking about James Hurley. The, yeah, that's the no, character. The other one. That's the character. Oh, really? OK. Uh, yeah. The one who played Bobby. 
The one James Hurley was played by James Marsden or right. Marsden. Are oh, you talking about the guy who played and, Bobby Briggs? Yeah, what really? was his real name? Uh, I, he's, yeah, uh, of course he had that dark hair that hung down in his eyes, and he was really sexy. I thought. Right now he looks 150 years old. Yeah, he looks really old now. But it, it's funny because I think all of these characters and and actors are going to be in the new version. Cool. That's good. Uh, and uh, as is Miguel Ferrar. Um, it was really funny because Miguel Ferrar, on some of his online autobiographies, they didn't even mention Twin Peaks. Really? Because he's been in a couple shows since then. Well, I think he was on The Good Wife and some other shows. Yeah, and I guess he, he, you know, he wasn't in a lot of episodes of Twin Peaks, particularly. I guess not. That's and, funny because he's one of the most memorable characters. Well, that's for sure. There's no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, I think of him as being in every episode. Now that you say that, but I, yeah. I, I'm, you're right. He wasn't. Yeah, you know what's interesting to me is that uh, there's so many of the what what I would think of as either interesting or important characters on the show who, you know, the actors are no longer with us. So they're not going to be part of this, you know, the new season, with the exception of uh, Miguel Ferrar, who managed to obviously be in the, you know, the reboot, uh, which is amazing in and of itself, I guess. But right. the fact that so many other pivotal actors are no longer with us, I mean, first and foremost, such as, such as Frank Silva, who played... Bob, no longer alive. Oh, Frank Silva's dead? Yeah, he died. I didn't know that. He died in 95. Oh, my God. Yeah. I did not know that at all. Yeah. Or either I f totally forgot that. Wow. Yeah, I mean. And, wow, and, Bob. Wow. And I and I looked it up today. He died of AIDS. I had no idea. Oh, my God. I I don't think I knew that. That's crazy. Yeah, never heard that story. I, you know. I was pretty high in 95, so. Yeah, well, okay. I forgive wow. you. Thanks. But, I, thank you. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, and, and of course, uh, you know, the log lady, Catherine Coulson, died. Yeah. Uh, what, a couple of years ago? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, the guy who played Major, oh. the guy who played Major Briggs, he's dead. Oh my God! Don Don S. Uh, S. Davis was the actor's name. Yeah, he died. So good. Yeah, two thousand eight. Oh my God! The whole scene. I just saw this y yesterday. The the big scene between Bobby Briggs and Major Briggs in the diner where they finally kind of yes make peace with each when he's other. Like yes, he's like Bobby. I had a dream. Right. Or something yes. about your future. And I saw you and oh my God, it's I'll like, never forget that scene. I was I was that standing was... on the veranda of a Italian villa. And he that's how the story starts and then he tells and and then he's like, And my son uh, there's a knock at the door, and I open the door, and my son is standing before me. And oh man, I'm getting chills just thinking about that whole I know. speech that he gave. I and Bobby cries, and they, you know, and yes, it's it really affects Bob. Mm -hmm. It's almost I mean, that's, it's one of those scenes yeah. where go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it's 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 like it's like a almost a goodbye speech to Bobby, and you right. know, you know, good luck, you know, in your future, kind of kind of right and he shakes his hand and he leaves and i think in shortly after that he disappears i think so yeah yeah something like that. i just always thought of it as you know it, he's such a he, 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 he's not really a hard ass but he kind of is to bobby 
And, you know, he's a military guy and all that. And then Bobby is kind of a fuck up, but Bobby's not a bad guy. Right. And it's that moment where he says just the right thing instead of instead of going, you know, going off on him or being negative or whatever. He tells Mm -hmm. this very poetic story. And then Bobby's reaction tells you, I mean, you can tell that's a pivotal moment in Bobby's life that he'll never he'll never forget it that that moment shapes the rest of bobby's life absolutely it's it's just one of those amazing moments for you know for an an actor to say something and another actor to react to it and um you know whoever wrote that really knows what they're doing right the um and re-watching the series it's it's really struck me at the time obviously i was you know quite a bit younger watching it i i i was i was keying more into the the weirdness and the wackiness of it and didn't really pay attention to how good of a job of acting so many people in this series the uh, their performances were were amazingly good and um I didn't. Right. I don't think I appreciated it as much at the time, but rewatching it, I, I'm realizing that this is some really stellar acting in here. Even though you know it was very quirky and and strange, there were very touching moments in in just about every episode. Right, right. Um, and some actors who have been in other things that that uh, you know, like Grace Zabriskie. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else where I thought, wow. This, she she's great or this is a great movie or whatever right you know i mean i think it's the only thing she's ever um, maybe there's something I, I haven't seen or something but i mean it's like you just don't see grace zabriskie in a lot of great stuff oh um yeah th- you know what i mean i mean no, it's just like um the um the person who played ed and the the woman who played his wife yes um Oh, the guy played Nadine. Ed, Ed Hurley. Mm-hmm. Nadine. Yeah, you know, like when that show was on, they were in a movie called "The People Under the Stairs" by that was a Wes Craven movie that was fucking horrible. Oh, and really? They're horrible in it. Yeah, oh, and it's who, just like you know, the guy who played Ed was uh, what's his name Everett McGill. He was in that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, he's in that, and and so is the the redheaded woman that plays Nadine right. his wife Wendy I can't remember her name Wendy Roby Yes Yeah Yeah they're in they're in the people under the stairs and I think they played a married couple in that Oh that's funny And it's it's just fuck it's Wes Craven of course who I don't care for much Right um, right It's just a horrible fucking movie but they're you know I think I went and saw it cuz they were in it and they were in Twin Peaks and I think it came out uh, in movie theater somewhere between season one and season two. I don't think you'll ever see either one of them in a movie that's really great. Although, again, uh, there's stuff out there I'm sure that I haven't seen that maybe is great. Right. Hey, um, you were talking about Bobby Briggs earlier. That's Dana Ashbrook was the actor. Dana Ashbrook, yeah. yeah. Oh, I had I thought he was so hot. <laughs> um, right. Uh, it's really funny that you've been watching Twin Peaks because I, uh, a couple days ago, watched Eraserhead for the first time in about 10, 12 years, maybe even longer. Oh, maybe wow. Maybe even more like 20 years. That's been a long and, time um, then. Damn. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's one wild. of the movies I got when the Criterion Collection had a sale. Um, and uh, so I, I hadn't watched it in a long time. Hmm. And, you know, it, it's really an interesting movie. 
But the first couple times I saw it, it was like, I don't know what this fucking movie is about. <laughs> I don't get, you know, it's so, it's just weird, right. but I love it. Yes. But this time, having seen it a couple times and also having read a lot about it online and kind of formulated an idea of what it's about, um, mm-hmm. it was like, oh my God, it's so obvious what it's about. Yeah. Um, but, um, but there's still a couple things I don't understand. Like, okay. I, don't, I don't understand. All right. First, I don't understand. First off, enlighten, enlighten our listeners as to what you think it's about, and then then describe what you don't understand. Oh, it's about stupid people having kids. <laughs> um, it's about it's about how stupid how and not even stupid people, but how how people have kids when they don't intend to, right. and it just it they're completely ignorant and hopeless and and end up hurting the really in this case they kill the kid right with their stupidity and anger and frustration yes and, um because it's really funny because it actually starts with there's a thing that looks like a giant sperm and <laughs> and it's kind of floating around <laughs> right and then it lands in a puddle of of water mm-hmm. um I mean, it's just so obvious that that's a sperm fertilizing an egg. Yeah. Um. You know, and then the whole thing that happens with the the horrific baby and, mm-hmm, and right. the, they they fight and all of the stuff that happens between them, it's just so obvious that it it's mainly about two idiots who have a kid and don't have any idea how to deal with that. Right. What about the woman in the uh, radiator? Is she well, like? I think uh, that represents heaven and and escape. Escape right. from the horror of real life. That's kind of um, yeah the 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 fantasy woman because the fantasy woman she she crushes the sperm under her feet. That's correct. <laughs> and do you know those are actually umbilical cords? And they went to a hospital and got uh, real umbilical cords. No, someone. No yep, way. Someone. Someone. Um, I don't know if it was Catherine Coulson or someone else because uh-huh. the log lady. Catherine Coulson spent all she was I didn't I had forgotten this she was married to Jack Nance ah, the main actor okay. in Eraserhead right. mm-hmm. and Lynch had cast her there was going to be a scene where the Jack Nance and his wife pick up the baby at the hospital and right. Catherine Coulson was going to play a nurse but they didn't have time or money to film that so they didn't oh. but the whole time she's waiting to film that scene and they're making the movie which took five years she's hanging out with lynch and uh when they film and and Mm -hmm. kind of really doing odd jobs around the set cooking um making props um doing all kinds of things you know doing everything from holding the boom mic to pull and focus and everything she did it all she says um so it's really interesting because she's there's a lot of pictures of her on set and of course her and lynch obviously were close Obviously, um, and she. So the the Criterion Collection of of Eraserhead also has a second separate discs disc that okay. has several interviews with different people throughout different time periods Ooh. about making Eraserhead. Oh wow! Damn. Um, so yeah, it I has might have to. Uh, <laughs> I might have to come over for a movie night at your place <laughs> and see those uh, other discs. 
Yeah, there's definitely a really interesting interview with the Lynch from about 19. I think Eraserhead came out in 77 or 8, mm-hmm. and it's from right around the time the movie came out. He looks so young, and um, it's like it's like an interview he did uh, for some for some local cable, not cable, local. Um, oh, what did we do? My brain just farted. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hang on. A local network station? It's like an interview he did for a local cable access show. Oh, okay. It um, was cable access. That Sorry. was about movies. Yeah, that was about movies. And um, Interesting. And so he's young, and even at that point, Lynch is saying, I'm not going to say what it's about. I want people to decide for themselves what it's about. Right. Um, it, and that's a really interesting interview because it's, it's on video. It's kind of old. Um, it's in black and white. Um, and Lynch mm-hmm. looks super young. So well, he yeah, was super you, young. You need to see those. He was. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I definitely want to lay my eyes and ears on that. Wonderful. What I don't understand experience. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand about Eraserhead is why it's called Eraserhead. I mean, I understand there's a scene where Henry's head comes off. Right. And a kid takes it to a place where they put erasers on pencils <laughs> and they drill a hole in his head and take out an eraser yeah. And the only thing I can ever figure out about that is that he's so stupid that his brain is only good for making erasers. Right. But I, I don't yeah. know if there's more to it than that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's that's probably about as good a explanation as I've ever heard. I mean, granted, yeah, with, I mean, with, the, with, the, with the hair piled up on his head, he looks like a, a pencil basically as well. But in addition to that, yeah, making right. making pencil erasers out of his brain, yeah, kind of calls I mean, all, all calls that, into can... question his uh, his uh, his mental acuity, <laughs> his intelligence level, definitely <laughs> right. Um, um, and just not to go not to go too much longer, but okay, there was you know on on Eraserhead, Lynch really had. I mean, he built all the sets. He you know Lynch is always been very he's he's a a furniture maker and a artist and you know he's done a lot of stuff right he's a multimedia artist to be sure yeah and i I think he's uh made a lot of furniture and things as well um well i mean that's 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 functional art you know so i mean right that that perfectly fits in there i mean and um so there are definite so you can definitely see i mean i didn't even snap to this until now there are Mm -hmm. In the in the room where the most of the so Henry's room, there are like on the on the table by the bed is yeah. a is a uh, mound of dirt with a tree with a little tree branch coming out of it or whatever, which right. is very Lynchian sculpture. Yeah. And um, the in the lobby of the apartment building where he lives, the floor is very much that zigzag um, floor look that we see in the red room in. Twin Peaks, Peaks. yeah, very similar, Mm -hmm. very similar to that. There's an armchair in there also that's very similar, and there are some curtains. I think it's in the where the 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 lady in the radiator is. Okay, she's on a little stage, and there are curtains that you presume. Well, actually, there's some footage of them in the extras where they show Lynch building that set, and Uh and the curtains in the back are red. Oh, Um, wow. So there's some so, linkage here. Yeah, very yeah, definitely very similar Lynchian things going on. So right, yeah. I don't know that the you know, I mean, 
Well, not. It's really interesting. I don't mean story linkage per se, but stylistic linkage. For sure. It, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's very interesting. That's kind of cool. I mean, what's really cool about Lynch is, you know, he's done these really weird things like Twin Peaks and Eraserhead mm-hmm. and Mulholland Drive and um, uh, Inland Empire. Right. And then he's done um, movies that are, you know, like Elephant Man and The Straight Story. Right. Uh, that are so that, you know, so, I don't know, normal, for lack of a better word. Right. Um, and, um, I mean, he, uh, it's too bad he hasn't done more things because he's really an amazing filmmaker. And even when he does something that's a straight story, for lack of a better word, uh, term, yeah. uh, you know, like straight story or uh, Elephant Man, which is the movie that I consider, you know, one of the best movies of all time, if not the best movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, if, when you watch Elephant Man, you, you realize that the Elephant Man was the first movie I saw that was set in like the 1800s. That actually was like, oh, this is really this isn't some glorified version of the 1800s. Right. This is really what it was like. Yeah. There was there was, you know, crap well, in the streets. Right. And, Welcome you know, to shitty, dirty London, you know, in the late 1800s. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you didn't, you know, we've seen that in other movies since, but I don't remember ever seeing that in a movie before Elephant Man. Elephant Man is the first, of course, you know, there's movies I haven't seen and 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 so forth. But Elephant Man was the first movie as a as a young person that I saw that was like, oh, this is real. This isn't a glory, you know. Right. I, I noticed this isn't a, yeah. This isn't a, a a version of the past that's been uh, sanitized. It's it's dirty and filthy and nasty mm-hmm. and people are dirty and filthy and nasty. Yeah. And um and the, that had a real visceral effect on me, you know. Right. Kind of the exploited masses, the um the horrifying underbelly of uh English society, to be sure. That was uh Yes. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. eye opening in that regard, no doubt about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just like I mean, um uh, you know, there's some scenes in a surgery where where Dr. Treves is doing surgery that is, you know, horrific compared to what we what surgery is now. And sure. and, um, you know, just a movie really changed my life. It was the movie that made me Elephant Man's the movie that made me want to make movies. Um, wow. But it That's also it praise also, indeed then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. movie. I remember. I saw that movie. I probably told you this story before. I saw that movie the first time I was with I was with a school group. We went to some I was in the sci fi club at school. We went to <laughs> sci-fi some sci fi wow. convention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We went to some sci fi convention that was in a hotel and I got bored after about thirty minutes and there was a theater next door, a cinema next door, and uh-huh. they were showing The Elephant Man, and it just happened to be starting around the time I went over there, and so I bought a ticket and went and saw The Elephant Man. It was a Saturday afternoon, oh, packed wow. house, uh-huh. and and about halfway through, maybe even two-thirds of the way through, I start crying, you know, because it's such a uh, emotional movie and affecting Definitely. very heartbreaking movie mm-hmm. and i remember i i was crying and i felt self-conscious because i'm 17 you know okay um, and uh i looked over across the aisle from me on the other side and there was a man probably in his 60s mm-hmm. and a boy next to him that was probably 11 or 12 maybe even a little younger okay and they were both crying too and Aww. i was like wow 
And that was the first time I think I ever saw other people crying in a movie mm-hmm. and and thought, wow, film really has this powerful effect on you. It, it can make you feel feel sorry for someone, feel empathy for them, for the outsider, for the person who's different. Right. And um, and that really spoke to me. You know, that was really yeah. a, a pivotal moment in my life. Um, we had, you know, something about film can it can bring people together, even though they're they're not necessarily communicating with each other at that moment, but they're both experiencing the same thing and and in a very similar way. So that's uh, yes, very, it's a shared experience, yeah. and it's almost a it, it can be at times almost a ritualistic experience. Um, mm-hmm. But it's certainly you know that was eye opening for me at seventeen to. Th- to think that wow, here's two you know two people completely different from myself, an old man and a little boy, yeah, and yet we're all feeling and thinking and experiencing the same thing uh, in a in a visible way, and um, hmm. yeah, that was just amazing to me. That that I was like, wow, I want to make movies that that have this feel to them, which of course I never did, but wow. um, but you know, it it was a real it was a really important m- moment for me. Yeah, almost and, uh, almost transcendent. It's kind of like yeah. uh, <laughs> movie theaters were the um, the churches of the 20th century. Uh, they really w- were, mm-hmm. um, especially the late 20th century, but even mid-20th right. century. Yeah. Um, and then I saw it a second time with a friend of mine, and I didn't get it but about five minutes into it, and I was bawling. The really? first time it took me – it took me a good hour or so to start really crying <laughs> to, to work but up the into second it. time. Right. Yeah. The second time, boom, the minute, the, the first minute you see the elephant man, I'm yeah. sobbing. But I guess you already had that, you know, that sense memory from the first viewing. So of course right, it yeah. was going to immediately trigger you. Right. But, yeah. I think too, there was a, there was a thing in my mind that, you know, there was a there was a hesitance to cry in public. Oh, okay. At, you on, know, on your part at that age, oh, on okay. my part at that age. Oh, yeah. Not ever going to a movie. I don't think I ever went to a movie that made me that sad or uh-huh. you know gave me gave me all those feels as the kids would say now. Right. Um. At least know, I don't. I don't think I'd. At least as a an adult or a young adult, I'm sure as a child, right, you, yeah. you, you cried at a Disney movie where the you know the dog dies at the end or something. Maybe, maybe cried, but not like. I mean, this was like when you saw Old Yeller. This was or something. sobbing. Okay, no. Okay. Yeah, which I didn't see. I, I you know, okay. I think part of it was I hadn't experienced any uh, any movies that were quite like that. Right. Um, I don't remember ever seeing a movie when I was a kid that made me cry. Oh, um, I'm okay. sure I must have, mm-hmm. but but I certainly I don't think had seen a movie that made me sob like the Elephant Man did. I mean, this right. when I say cry, it was really sobbing. It was yeah. it was you know. No, I know. I mean, uh, yeah, way more than crying, way more than just tears. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. an emotional, a very emotional reaction. So. Right. Anyway, I mean, yeah, we got that was a tangent. That was a slippery slope. Sorry. <laughs> well, I know, but it was all along that that the the David Lynch line that we uh, the, were following. Yeah, and uh, the Lynchian slope. So yeah, you were, and you know, we we kind of traveled down the uh, Eraserhead line and went back to uh, Elephant Man. Of course, speaking of Eraserhead, I mean, we, we we also forgot to mention that Jack Nance will not be appearing in the reboot of Twin Peaks, obviously, because he died. Gosh, in 90, right. 96, so, I mean, that's... 
Wow. So long ago. And Damn. then for some reason, Piper Laurie was not asked to be in the reboot. Right. Um, Did, is I saw that... an interview with her. Uh-huh. Recently? Where she's, yeah. She, I saw, a, I saw, a, actually it wasn't an, uh, a video. It was like a printed interview okay. uh, where they talked to her and she said, I wasn't, I wasn't asked. I would have been more than willing to be in it, but they didn't call me. So that's so I don't know crazy. If Lynch just didn't, yeah. I, I mean, don't know if Lynch just didn't have something in mind for her or who knows. Maybe not. Um, huh. Yeah. Well, that's wild. You would think that every you know, veteran of the original series would have been given at least a cameo of some sort if they were able right, to, you yeah. know. I mean, yeah. I can understand, yeah. you know, somebody being dead and not being able to do it, but, you know, someone who's still alive and still able to, why not? Right, unless he has you know. some specific plot point that he uses their their fictional death for, Uh huh. you know, but... yeah. And one presumed, I mean, she she didn't say anything, but one presumes there's no bad blood between them yeah, or on uh, his part. But who knows? Right. You know, we might have to research that, see if there was any were any issues. Of course, they'd also right. have to have been documented some some way and somehow. But don't right, know. Yeah, I don't recall ever reading anything like that. Oh, yeah. I well, forgot. I, think we should... I forgot. Yeah. David Lynch. I want young girls, young girls. Well, not there's old that ladies. too. That there's that too, and Piper Laurie has certainly um, gotten fat. Um, and she's, she's you know, not she, an attractive. Well, she's lady probably anymore. she's probably in her late seventies or early eighties by now as well. Yeah. So yeah, there's always that. She's in this. She's in a great movie with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt called Hesher, um, and I did not recognize her. Oh really? Uh, in, in, until I don't know if I. I Watched it on DVD. I don't know if I got online and saw that that was her, or if it was mm-hmm. when it got to the the end credits that I realized it was her. Because I oh. she she's unrecognizable. She's she's gotten older and and bigger, and so uh-huh. maybe that's maybe that's Lynch's thing too. You're right. Well, maybe he's you know. Certainly, he certainly likes the ladies. I don't know. <laughs> yes, indeed, he does. I mean, I get the. Um, I get the misog- the 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 people who are say he's a misogynist and and uh, victimizes women in his movies and things. Uh, I think he does do that, but yeah, well, true. That's his. I mean, that's his style, and that sounds like a complete shitty thing to say or a cop out or whatever. Yeah, but but. but- not, not that that necessarily carries over into his actual personal life that right, I've heard yeah, of. Yeah. I mean, right. So, yeah. hey, I Cooper, mean, <laughs> I like young pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, you remind me today of a small <laughs> pussy, a small pussy. <laughs> yes. You remind me today of a small Mexican bleh, pussy. Vagina. <laughs> Vagina. Oh, uh, so, yeah. That was. In... <laughs> yeah, actually, oh, I just saw. The... Yeah, I know. Coughing I, know. Coughing. Well, I, mean, I, I ruined a perfectly good line by coughing, but. Oh, I well. know. What do you All right. Do? Oh, well. Yeah. Everybody. Out there listening, you have to. You need to watch the original series if you haven't seen it, and I'm sure most of you of have. Twin Peaks. 
Yeah, of Twin Peaks. Um, oh, they, hell yeah. They need to. Why would you not watch it yeah, if you're going to watch the reboot? Exactly. You need to, you know, refresh your memory, get back into that that vibe of, you know, what they were laying down. You know, oh, absolutely. Getting back into Twin Peaks. There's another storyline, the whole alien angle. You know, the owls are not what they seem. Major Briggs shows right. Coop this, you know, this printout, you know, because, you know, Major Briggs is working on, you know, very classified uh, Air Force uh, projects and, you know, that he can't even discuss with his own family. And he shows Coop this printout, you know, of, of all this, you know, noise that, uh, their instruments have been picking up from space, and then, and one time, you know, the the words "the owls are not what they seem" show up three times in in the data that they've been collecting, and also, you know, Cooper, Cooper, right. Cooper, Cooper, also. So, right, they never. I've forgotten it said Cooper too. Right, they never got to fully explore that storyline. Are they gonna? Are we gonna touch upon that? Or are we just? All right, are we gonna go off and completely different directions i mean they're got to be they've they've got to tie up some of these loose ends and unfortunately the fact that major briggs is no longer the actor who plays major briggs is no longer alive you can't approach it from that angle and you know unless there's they bring in some like i was an associate of major briggs and uh, this is what we were doing and right maybe bobby will continue his work <laughs> sure who knows who knows uh, oh that would be interesting if you have bobby yeah. Somehow join the Air Force and um and uh continue some, yeah. continue his dad's work. Yeah. <laughs> that After that speech, I can see Bobby being motivated to do that. Yeah, it could happen. It could happen. <laughs> we shall find out. Uh, we shall. In May. Well, hey, I wanted not that far I away. wanted to right. no May May 21st, I think it wow. is, right? May 21, yeah. Um right, cool. I wanted to uh, mention the other two people we lost since the last time we recorded a show. Oh, yeah. Um, um, Mike Connors, who played Mannix. Oh, that's Which right. I remember watching that show as a kid, but I didn't really I didn't really love it. I'm not um, sure I was a big Mannix fan. I liked the theme music, though. You know what I think I liked most about it? I was a, When I was a kid, my mom was very much uh, a person who discussed race relations a lot. Her mother, my grandmother, was a bit of a racist because she'd grown uh, up during in the in the South in in Missouri, okay, in the twenties. You know, oh my. So wow. they had lots of discussions about not using the N word and and other things too. You know, okay. Um, and Mannix had a black secretary. Oh, that's right. And, and well, I think what was her name? You know, Oh, Peggy, I think was the name of the, was Peggy the name of the character? It was Peggy. Now, who played her? I cannot remember. I think you're right. Of course. Yeah. But I think I, you know, that was one of those things that I, I was like, oh, and maybe mom mentioned it, you know, that he had a black secretary. Well, it was was significant for the time, right? Yeah. It was. Yeah. There weren't a lot of African-Americans on television, period. And, um. But I remember I liked Peggy, and um, also we watched um, – I can't remember who played the Nurse Julia, which was a, a show that had a black character as the main character, which was kind of groundbreaking at the time too. Oh, yeah. Um, do you um, remember the show Julia? And I know if you said the name of the actress who played her, I would be like, that's her. 
No, I, but, I can't say that I remember the show, but I do remember reading an article about it and how groundbreaking it was for the time having, you know, the lead of a TV show being a black actress. Yeah, that was very unique. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I struggled to to figure out, was it because I heard someone else talk about that? I just remember, like, I was an odd kid. I also really loved Shirley Chisholm. And I don't know if if all that was an, uh, things I made up for myself or if it was because of the influence of my family situation where Shirley we were actively Shirley, Shirley Chisholm. She was a um, uh, she ran for president, actually. Right. In yeah. The yeah. 70s. No, I was just, gonna, I, just I was trying to get you to clarify that. Yeah. OK. Just making yeah. sure whether you were talking about the same Shirley Chisholm I was thinking of. OK. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So. um, So, yeah, I struggled to be like, was that. Was that something inherent within me or was that – I mean, I'm, I know part of it was the influence of my surroundings, but right. uh, I definitely was not racist as a kid. I loved I, I loved all the black women on TV, Lieutenant <laughs> O'Hara, and okay. uh, oh, I loved, Flip, I loved Flip Wilson and Geraldine. Oh, my God. Right. How could I not have turned out gay? When I was a kid, <laughs> I, I had this – I had this doll and it was kind of a stuffed doll and it had one uh, of the string, you know, you'd pull uh-huh. a string and it would say something. Right. And on one side it was Flip Wilson and on the other side it was Geraldine. Oh, and, really? Okay. I remember those. Yeah. Yes. And you'd and, pull the string and she'd say, the devil made me do it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're killing me. I loved it, man. I loved Geraldine. No right. wonder I turned. I mean, I love Geraldine and Christy McNichol and Jodie Foster and Kate Jackson on Charlie's Angels. I was destined. I was definitely <laughs> born this way. <laughs> yes, yes, you were. Yes, it was. So all um, all the information was there. Yep, indeed, indeed. It took <laughs> hey. me a while to figure it out. It took right. me longer than other people to figure it out. I think. <laughs> and then, funny. of course. The other person we lost this week was Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, of that's course. a biggie. Yeah, that is a biggie. That was, she I, was um, an amazing talent. She's one of those ones. Mary Tyler Moore, Carol Burnett are two two ladies that were on television that could do no wrong, in my opinion. I don't think. Yeah. Um, Mary Tyler Moore, one of my favorite shows. I put it in my top five TV shows of all time mm-hmm. is the Dick Van Dyke show. Of course. I love the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, yeah. And she's so amazing in that. When you watch that and consider the time period and what other women w- playing wives on TV were like, uh-huh. it's just revolutionary what she did. Right. You know, a lot of amazing. Yeah, a lot of people at that time were 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 making comparisons between her and uh, Jackie Kennedy at the time. Right, right. Uh, and how they and I looked I, similar to each other. And I, right. I don't I don't think and that I don't was, even think uh, that was conscious. Ac- well, I don't know. I don't think it was by accident necessarily, but uh, who knows? Yeah, I don't think I don't think they specifically said, "Okay, well, let's." But I don't know, you know. I've watched a lot of stuff, a background stuff about Dick Van Dyke, uh-huh. and of course she was a dancer, so yes. she always wore like the the um, capri pants she wore. Yes, would be something that a dancer would wear. True. Okay. You know, and so I just I don't know if they let her kind of do what she wanted, or if there was a conscious effort to make her Jackie esque. 
or hmm. That's really good. how that all, or if it was just a kind of a combination of she kind of dressed that way. They said, let's have her dress that way on the show. Yeah. You know, who knows what, what things led to that. It's really right. surprising that the network didn't make them change that. Hmm. And that, you know, cause I know they got flack from the public. Oh, really? Oh, because she was wearing capri oh, yeah. pants. Hmm. Yeah. And was, oh, and that's was, true. you know, out, not outspoken really, but you know, she wasn't, I mean, there were, there are times where she's very submissive to Rob, like wives mm-hmm. were supposed to be back then. Mm-hmm. If you watch some of the shows, there are certain things she says and does. Uh-huh. Um, but there's also like an episode where she, um, has a dream that she's like his, it's like the 1890s and she's like a wife of that time and, yeah. and, you know, doing everything he says and he's like the king of the castle. Maybe it's his dream. I can't remember. Okay. But he, he comes to say eventually, eventually at the end of the show, he tells her he doesn't want a wife like that. He wants a partner, you know, oh. it's very groundbreaking that show. It doesn't hmm. get enough um, kudos in my opinion, although people do love it and, and it's certainly well respected, but some of the things they did, the thing with the sw- babies switched, you remember that episode, right? <laughs> I probably saw it. I, I couldn't say that I remember it. Oh, Rob thinks that when his son is born that they've switched. The, it's like a flashback. Him okay. talking about when mm. when they brought the, their son home, they thought the there was somebody in the room next to them that had almost the same last name. They got oh. some of their gifts and all this stuff. And Rob <laughs> convinces himself that uh-huh. he's got the wrong kid. Yeah. And so then he gets a phone call from the guy because the guy has his something was delivered to him that was meant for Laura at the hospital. Okay. And so they're going to bring it over, but he's going to tell them, you know, we've got the wrong kids and all that. And he, he opens the door to let him in and it's a black couple. Oh, uh, and, um, wow. and the laugh. The laugh goes on for a minute. The audience loses their mind. It's so funny. Ah, And it's like Hmm. funny and so smart and groundbreaking and just the perfect, you know, it's funny. It makes a point. And yet it is funny as hell at the same time. Right. And then, you know, of course, Laura has them come in the house and they welcome him in the house and they talk and stuff. And it's like, Uh here's a white, a white family on TV having a black couple come into their home, treating them just like they would treat anyone else. Right. Which is, is fucking groundbreaking at that time. Yeah. I'm, I'm and, sure, I'm sure the same know, people who were complaining about Laura's Capri pants were the same people complaining about a black couple being on the TV show. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Con- the conservative, um, the, the conservative fuckholes of the time. <laughs> right. Right. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So there, and there was a lot of that. I'm sure. I'm sure they got tons of hate mail. But right, um, you know, it's just amazing to me that one of the things I love about D- the Dick Van Dyke Show is one, it's just funny. It's very well written. It's funny. Right. It's the perfect mix. You know, he mm-hmm. goes to work. He works at a comedy office, so they can tell jokes there, and and right. there's that part of it um, because there are entertainers on the show, and the, and mm-hmm. that they they sing and dance. And then there's the home life. There's all these elements that give them an opportunity to do all kinds of things. Absolutely. Sing, dance, tell mm-hmm. jokes, tell a story. And and it's funny and it's thought provoking. And it's it's just it's one of those shows that, in my opinion, has everything you could want a show to have and is good. Right. And I and, you um, know, I put it near the top of my list. Sure. I mean, 
Rosemary and Maury Amsterdam's careers would have oh just gone nowhere without that show. Without that show, they would I don't know what, where they'd be or what they were doing. They would have died in obscurity. Um, so, they would have been yeah. in the cat. Still, they'd still be in the Catskills, <laughs> probably. Um, but uh, yeah, it's but, just, in my opinion, it's yeah. just a perfect show. And yeah. and although the Mary Tyler Moore show was very groundbreaking, and I love mm-hmm. that. Two. Yes. To me, the Dick Van Dyke show is is an, one of the most important right. shows in TV history because yeah, it now, did things nobody else was doing. Now you never saw it when it was originally broadcast. Neither did I. Uh, we probably you probably watched it in the seventies when it was uh, in reruns, and right. uh, we probably didn't necessarily understand the the uh, progressive nature of the show because it was already you know ten years ten years later when we were watching it but um right yeah right. with the you know but with you know trying to put yourself in the mindset of the i guess the early 60s yeah that's a pretty amazing show for its time well and that's you know it, it it was yeah and you have to context is everything of course yes it was funny because um i think i i saw on tv this week on one of the things where they were talking about mary tyler moore passing away uh-huh. that they were talking about the mary tyler moore show and i thought they said and maybe i'm mistaken but that it was the first show where a single woman had a man spend the night oh and hmm. and i i don't remember that happening i don't remember um, that and, episode and maybe he only spent the night because he had to for some reason maybe it was snowing or something in minneapolis sure but of course i i think there were many things like that on the mary tyler moore show that when we were young and saw it went right over our heads and probably as time has passed we we have forgotten about it and you oh. know there were some ground there was some groundbreaking stuff that happened on the mary tyler moore show too well that's true <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how many how many times do you have yeah a single professional woman portrayed, um, you know, in in the seventies? I mean, I, I right, guess yeah, it did happen, was, you know, but um, right, but she was really the first, I think. Probably. I mean, that character was uh, really the first in a lot of ways that you know, again, in ways that I don't even you know at the time, I'm sure people talked about, but I just watched the show because I thought it was funny and I liked her and I liked oh, Rhoda yeah. and I liked. You know, um, Phyllis and all the and, characters, um, Lou Grant, Ted, and Bax- oh Ted my Baxter, God, Ted and, Baxter. Uh, Murray, oh, Jesus, Murray, is that the, the her co-worker, yeah. Murray? Uh, yeah, Gavin McLeod, Gavin McLeod yeah. played Murray. Yeah. One of my favorite jokes of all time is on that show where Ted Baxter says to uh, Mary, he's got a knock knock joke. OK. And 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 so uh, he says, knock, knock. She says, who's there? And he says, Anna Maria Albergetti. And she says, Anna Maria Albergetti, who? He says, I don't know. I haven't come up with the rest of it yet. <laughs> Which I guess I don't even know who Anna Maria Albergetti is. She must have been like an Italian star or something. You know, uh, I don't know probably. exactly who she is. Yeah. We, I'm, I'm, but if there was only a way we could look that up. Yeah. Right. But then he comes back later towards the end of the show and tells her he's he's figured it out. And so knock, knock. Who's there? Anna Maria Albergetti. Anna Maria Albergetti. Who? Anna Maria Albergetti in a taxi, honey. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which I totally didn't get any of it as a kid, but it has stuck with me forever. Wow, that's funny. It's just one of those things that's ingrained in me. I will never forget it. It's, and it's, you know, <laughs> okay. I think I even had, 
I think I even had to ask my mom when we were watching the show, who's Anna Maria Alberghetti? She's an actress or something or a singer or something. Apparently, um, um, she um, she did a lot of stuff with Jerry Lewis. Oh, really? Yeah, she was on the She's Jerry. an actress then. Yeah, she was in the movie Cinderfella. Um, ah. The, um, what? Star Time? I don't know what that is. That's a Jerry Lewis movie called Star Time where he plays a... Star Time? Ugh. Oh. Oh, okay, it's a Ford Motor Company sponsored uh, hour long um, variety show. Okay, okay. That Jerry hmm. Lewis had something to do with. And of course, there was the Jerry Lewis show. He had his own. Of course. Uh, show. I, I don't know if I've ever seen any um, episodes of, of that. But uh, okay, Anna Marie Alberghetti. There you go. In a taxi, honey. Yeah. She's... Uh, Okay. Apparently, she um, she did a lot of um, early television. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I'm sure she was a very buxom lady. Yeah. I bet you anything, she was a very buxom lady. She had knockers (laughs) to beat the band. Oh, my God. Look at those knockers on that girl. (laughs) We got to put her in the front row of the chorus. Yes. Um, (laughs) Oh, man. Oh. Okay. Yeah, she's just very pretty. I'm just yeah. looking at pictures of her. Well, I'll have to look her up. Yeah, I'll have to look her up when I when we're done with the show. Um, I I feel like I keep talking, but um, I, there was okay. something I, that you did. What did you do this past week? Oh, I, did I had you do something. I had a new roof put on my house. Oh yeah. Actually, how'd that go? Oh my, good. It turned out really nice. Oh, and, cool. Uh, yeah, it looks really good, and uh, they they had to replace some. Uh, decking on the roof around the chimney because uh, some of it had rotted. Uh, but other than that, it it went very smoothly. And uh, it's really interesting because you live in a duplex, and so of course right. I asked you. Mm-hmm. You know, how does that it work? It just kills me that you live in a yeah. It just kills me that you live in a duplex. That you live in a house where somebody else owns the other half of the house. It's just the weirdest fucking thing in the world to me. <laughs> well, I mean, is it any different from, you know, owning a condo or I mean, it's not. living in an apartment uh, other than the fact that you own, you know, of course, a condo. What's it, you know, difference between a condo and an apartment is <laughs> a condo you own and an apartment you rent, you know. Um, right. Yeah. And so this is just. But it's just yeah. I mean, so I asked you, of course, how does that work when you have to reef roof the house? And it's a duplex where somebody else owns half the house. So yeah. I guess you guys had to discuss it and decide to do it. And oh yeah, and well, and uh, each pay half. Yeah, I mean we we well we both fully well knew that it had to be done. I because I had been up on the roof doing some repairs um, once, and I was like, oh man, these things are looking really bad. And it's like every time the wind um, would blow real hard or we'd have a storm blow through i'd find little pieces of shingle laying on the ground i'm like oh shit this thing needs to get done and um my next my next door neighbor is about to sell her half now and prior to that she wanted to get a roof on so that you know it wouldn't affect the property value and uh so everything just seemed to line up at the same time i full well knew that it needed to be done and she you know, obviously knew that it needed to be done. And so we talked about it and I was able to, you know, make things happen financially so that, uh, you know, I could, you know, lay out that $4,000, you know, my half of whatever it was going to cost to, uh, to get it done. And, uh, it just kills me that, uh, 
I mean, what's what the fuck happens if she says no? You got to take her to court. Um, there's I don't, no. I don't, I don't know what you do in that situation. Because um, there's no wait, wait there's for the no, next like uh, homeowners wait. association or anything. No, that not, has control over that. No, not in the neighborhood that I live in. That's true. I, right, yeah. I I don't know if there's very much that can be done unless you know actual property damage starts to happen, like you know really bad leaks or something like that that are are you know starting to damage one side. I I guess you could somehow. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, you'd have to sue her, and that, I, and that I, would, I would suck. No, no, nobody wants to sue their neighbor because then it, that's the, the, yeah. I mean, then what does that create? I mean huge large amounts of animosity between neighbors right, yeah. that's never I mean, any good huh. i mean that's that just what suck. kills me about it i mean uh, what what would you do if she just happened to be in a situation where she couldn't afford to do it not right. that she didn't want to but that she couldn't afford to there's just no i know I mean, it's, that's just something when you own a duplex I, I never thought about that but i'm like uh, that's just another to me that's just another downside well that's true you deal I mean, with someone else and that's, yeah that's true well you know the people that owned that side before the current owner was living there um they were about to move out and they wanted to repaint the entire building and i was like shit man I, you know, and at that time I couldn't afford to, to, to pay what, uh, you know, the contractor was, uh, was quoting for the price. And I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, okay, how can I do this so that, you know, the, the person can sell their house and it doesn't look like, you know, horrible side and good side, you know, as far as right. painting goes. So I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Go ahead and paint the front of the, of the building. Cause I, I could afford to do that. You know, I had, uh, had the, you know, this was quite a few years ago but you know it's like i just didn't have the money at the time you know to to pay for right. having all of my side painted so i said yeah just paint the front so that the front of the building looks all you know all the same and so that's what i did and uh, it worked wow. out my neighbor was happy and i didn't you know lose my shirt right right so, well you yeah. know it's i mean to me it's just funny because obviously you're going to have to you, there's an element of that that you don't have control over. Right. And uh, I, I remember when you moved into that place, I was like, when you bought it, I was like, I can't believe you're buying half a fucking house, man. I know. But, uh, and it's the kind of stuff that to me, uh, oh, uh, that would just be, I mean, that's just like, oh, my God, I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. Um, but but it's know, just funny to me that, yeah. You know, right now, though, it's, it's worth quite a bit more than, you know. Um, well, yeah. What I... Oh, on it, obviously, and and more right. more than when I had originally purchased. So I mean, in the end, it's gonna you know when Sierra and I actually sell this place, which may be in the next year or so, and move into a real house and no longer my bachelor townhouse or or duplex, <laughs> right. whatever you want to call it. So uh, yeah, so it it'll work out for the good. And now that I got a new yeah. roof, I don't have to worry about uh, any water damage from leaks in the roof. Because I, you well, know, that's cool. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. glad it all worked out. But it, I'm just like, it's one of those things where I'm like, wow, I'm glad it all worked out. I'm glad I'm not in a situation like that because I would hate it. Yeah, I would hate I having to go to my neighbor and be like, we need to do this, and then having a discussion, and then right. This is why I live in an apartment and pay outrageous rent, and I'm not a homeowner because all that stuff just seems like a hellacious hassle to me. Yeah, um, 
But anyway, I'm glad it worked out for you. Well, that's why, yeah. That's why, you know, maybe if you ever decided to buy, you might, the best thing for you would be to get a condo. Because you could, all you right. have, you know, all you have to worry about is the inside and, and whoever, I guess, but I think usually they ha- it's like a condo association where all the exterior um, things are taken care of by the uh, the condo association or something like that. Except you, know? you you pay a monthly fee for that. Well, shit, see, there you go. That's there's there's that. Yeah. So then that kind of sucks yeah. too. So yeah, it does. There's no there's no good answer. Yeah. You're either gonna you you know even if you buy just like you know even if you bought a house that was a whole house and not a half house, Mark Browner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You do a lot of upkeep and maintenance. True. Shit that I hate to do. I hate mowing the lawn. I hate doing yard work. I hate maintenance. I don't yeah. want to do any of that shit. And yeah. that is why a a uh, apartment is a great thing for me, except mm. uh, time will come when I get old and want to retire and I will have no house. Ah. I will have nothing to retire to. Well, and heaven knows I probably won't have enough money to ever buy a house, but well, I don't know. I mean, you, you, maybe maybe I'll just die in my fifties and it'll all work out. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> oh, or oh. well, okay, you can say that. Just don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Just don't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I know what you're saying. Thank just don't, you. just I don't, just don't that. make it a reality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I won't willingly, but who right. knows what's going to happen. Yeah, you still have um, you still have nine hundred and you know seventy two episodes to do. I that's true. I think I did make a commitment to do <laughs> that's uh, right. a thousand episodes at some point. Yes. So we need to start recording every day, maybe. Yeah. This um, this show is like Scientology. You sound a one billion year uh, contract. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny because one of the things I just wanted was on my list of things to talk about was. Uh, Leah Remini's Scientology show. Oh yeah, it's so funny that you said that. It's like a, it's like a destin, <laughs> it's like a destin, it's like a segue, a destiny segue or whatever you want to oh, say. Oh, I'm telling you, man. It's yeah, so funny. Yeah, Sierra and I have watched you know, all look, those episodes. It's, that's that's a uh, great expose show. It's it's and, uh, it's interesting because uh, a couple weeks ago on my birthday, I went to visit my nephew and his boyfriend in Houston, and uh-huh. we hang hung out for a few days and um. Uh, it's a show that he watches that Leah Remini, it's called Scientology in the Aftermath. It's on A&E. Yes. And um, when he told me he was watching it, I was like, why? Why the fuck are you watching that show? It, it, it just it just seemed like it's just stuff we already know. Um, but we watched an episode while I was visiting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think we watched two episodes of it. Yeah. And then I watched an episode when I got home that, that came on. And um, I was like, you know, this show, yeah, it's it is kind of stuff we already know. You know, we all know Scientology is cuckoo for cocoa puffs, but yes, um, it's kind of an interesting show, well, and yeah. it's kind of a cool thing that she's exposing all this bullshit that they do, even though right. it's it is somewhat known. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it, uh, there's there's no downside to just knock it in, into the ground that these people are cuckoo. Well, uh, yeah, and, and especially the damage it does to whole families, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like if oh, one... Oh, my God, it's crazy damage. Right, like if one one member of the family wants to leave the church, I mean, all the, the, the remaining members of that family who are still in the church have to disconnect 
from this person. Yeah, basically, shun, basically yeah. Shun, shun the other people. Yeah, never talk to them, communicate with them, and if the you know, and if they don't, they be, they're considered a, a suppressive person. Yeah, yeah, they're this, a negative suppressive person. Right, all this, all this crazy writing, terminology. Um, yeah, yeah, writing uh, knowledge reports and holy it's just, shit. It's just, I mean. It's like people, I, basically I, people know, ratting on each other, you know? Yeah, Crazy. like uh, like Big Brother is watching you. Oh, my Perfect God. For Trump's America. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, um, and I guess there's, you know, they've just finished the first season. Um, right. And, and I hope there's a second season. It would be great if they exposed, I mean, you know, she could do anything. If they exposed other religions, and yeah. their craziness oh, or or wow. cults and their craziness that would be interesting um, except they they wouldn't be they wouldn't have the insider's view like they do to Scientology of course I guess they could bring people in who are yeah. insiders who are no longer absolutely associated, yeah. associated with certain religions that could be interesting well, well, yeah you, you saw the episode um where and I think it was the last official episode where she had the guy who'd written a book and was kind of into to deprogramming or whatever now, but he had been a Mooney for several years. Right, right. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and I mean, so he, you know, spent a good 10, 15 minutes talking about what the Moon believed and all that craziness and right. how he got involved and how he got out of it and, and all that stuff. And I thought, yeah, they could do this for a ton of cult like religions. And really, you know, I'm not picking on any particular religion because I hate them all. And hey, they're what, all nutty, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Isn't that isn't that, wasn't that a redundant statement that you meant that you said yeah, just yeah, there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I, you know, we can go right down to to uh, Catholics and Protestants and just pick a, a a segment of the Protestants. I grew up a Methodist. Methodists are cuckoo for cocoa puffs, in my opinion. They're all nuts. <laughs> Um, but I just think it's a really, I mean, I, I, I think A&E putting on that show is pretty ballsy. I think yeah. she's pretty ballsy. She's an interesting person. I, I certainly at times think she's just, you know, I mean, she's obviously a nut, mm-hmm. but she's doing a good thing, but she's also a, a fucking nut. And, she is. You know, sometimes it's hard to believe her and what her motivations are because you know she's certainly kooky but there um, but there are so many other but, people on that show like uh the the guy who is you know mike rinder who was you know one of the big insider guys who would do all these uh hit jobs on yeah all all the on journalists all, especially yeah yeah and 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 other people who had left the religion he was he was tasked with collecting information on them and uh, uh, spying on them and harassing them. So, I mean, wow, what an amazing insider's view that is now that he's no longer with the church. Yeah, very interesting. And certainly I think there's more room to explore what's going on, what they've been through uh, for a second season. And like I say, if they wanted to expand a little bit and talk about some other religions, maybe that would be interesting too. But I just really – it was funny because – when my nephew told me he was watching it, I was like, what What for? We all know what the nuttiness <laughs> that they do is. Yeah. And I had seen Leah Rimini on – they had her on a thing with her on 2020, and right. when she wrote her book, she had done the circuit. And so I had heard most of the stuff anyway. But for right. some reason, I, I was like – when it was 
when we were watching it, I was interested. And when we, when I got home and there was another episode coming on, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to watch another episode of this. (laughs) Right. And uh, that was cool. What's really interesting is the, is the, you know, the, the celebrities that are involved in it still to this day, not just, you know, her, um, but you know, huge stars. I mean, obviously Tom Cruise and, and John Travolta's, you know, come to mind right off the bat. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it, it almost makes you yeah. not want to ever see a Tom Cruise movie again. Oh, I used to love him. And the minute he jumped on the couch, I was done with him. Oh, okay. Um, right, right. You know, I was a fan of his from the time from risky business until war of the worlds right and then he jumped on the couch and 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 <laughs> and also he you know was very disrespectful to matt lauer and oh yeah just, yeah you, you know he just turned interview. into a nut yes yeah and and i was like okay i'm i'm done with you you're you're cuckoo yeah you, you've lost all sense of reality and it's funny because they say around that time that um, he had had a publicist who had kept him in check and then he fired her Oh, and his sister was his publicist and she's a Scientologist. That's, that's the when problem. He started saying all okay. that cuckoo stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah so hmm. <laughs> anyway, I know we're running long here. I just, I, a there's a couple other things I'd like to go over. Okay. Let's talk. Um, another show. When I was with, uh, when I was visiting my nephew, he has Netflix, and so there's a reboot of One Day at a Time on Netflix now. Really, the '70s show. Wow. Yeah, it's you know it was a show in the '70s with Valerie Bertinelli, Bonnie yeah. Franklin, Mackenzie Phillips, mm-hmm. uh, Pat Harrington, single mom with two daughters, living. Uh, she just got divorced, trying to make it on her own. Yeah. One of those shows. I watched every episode when I was a kid. Norman Lear show, right? I, so now yes, I think we watched it. every episode also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I you know before I figured stuff out, I I even had a little crush on. Um, this is weird, I guess. I had a little crush on Valerie Bertinelli, um, and it's funny because huh. she reminds me of my sister. Oh, so much. Okay, they have hmm. the same hair, and and they just are very similar in some ways, and it's hmm. like. Yeah, that's creepy now that I'm older. But when I was a kid, um, I really I I thought Valerie Bertinelli was beautiful, and she is. Agreed. And I just thought she Agreed. was a gorgeous, beautiful, and, and and you just and just so likable. You liked her character, and then when you would see her on TV, in interviews and stuff, she just seemed super nice and and a real nice person. Right. Yes. Uh, um. I so agree. this reboot, this reboot is about a woman raising a daughter and a son and okay. then her mother lives with them oh. uh, they have a schneider he's a young kind of a uh emo not emo but he's a young kind of a uh, douchebaggy austin type <laughs> oh okay like you know like a hipster uh, like a, you mean like a mumford and sons fan yeah a hipster, okay yeah. a hipster does he have so, a top does he have a top he, knot no a well, man I don't, bun no he may okay he, i think he wears a like a fedora hat like douchebags do ah. um and so uh rita moreno plays the the mother the grandmother mother that lives with them oh uh, i mean okay. she's great mm-hmm. it's always great to see her and stuff sure but the family is cuban and the mother has served in the military she met the father in the military but they've they are broken up and divorced and so the father's not in the picture at least at this point yeah and um anyway 
the first episode, oh, we just watched one episode. The first episode, uh-huh. the daughter was fighting against having a quinceanera because she felt it was misogynist and sexist. Oh, okay. And um, I just, it the first 15 minutes, I didn't love it. The first 15 minutes, I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. this isn't that great. And That's then it quite grew a departure from the original. Yeah, I mean, there's almost no reason to call it one day at a time except for brand recognition. Yeah. I mean, it, it only has a few similarities. Although Norman Lear, I guess, is involved, even though uh, some other people have really put it together. Okay. Um, but anyway, it grew on me. I wouldn't mind seeing more episodes, but it had gotten really good buzz. Okay. And I was just like, eh, it's good. It's not great. Is it a um, maybe ne- some of the few network show? Netflix. Oh, Netflix. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Netflix has picked it up. Yeah. And so, and and so, I'm sure there's more than one. I mean, I think they've released eight or ten episodes at once. Okay. But I only saw one. Hmm. So I'd, I'd like to see some more of them, but I doubt I'll get a chance to see any more of them. But I thought it was kind of interesting. Okay. Well, that's, that is interesting. How how old is Norman Lair at this point in time? Is he like 100 years old by now? He's almost. I think he's he's definitely in his 70s, and I believe he's in his 80s. Okay. Um, there was a pretty interesting... Um, <laughs> There was a pretty interesting documentary about him on um, a, on um, PBS, uh-huh. probably I think it was on American Masters. Okay, um, that was really interesting. And they told, and I he may be mid eighties. I, I I can't remember off the top of my head, um, but he still seems he's still kind of going strong and oh, doesn't geez. seem like an old man. He's ninety four years old. Jesus, he's even older than I thought. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he. That's trippy. He. Um. Yeah, he still seems a very, very, you know, on top of things and smart and and. Um, right. It, it's a. If you could get a chance to see that PBS thing about him, it's. And I can't even remember what it's called now. It's Norman Lear colon something. Did, um, didn't he do something recently? That was kind of a. Um. Hidden camera. Um, documentary about uh, ageism, about um, elderly people hmm. attempting to find housing and stuff, and it, it, well, it dealt with ageism and racism and you know uh, sexism and stuff. And I'm trying to remember exactly what it was all about, but I think I only caught part of it. On, I think on Showtime, but uh, it seemed really interesting. I I hmm. wish I could have seen all of it. Because I'm only giving you very limited information, but he was involved um, and was actually, you know, doing some on-camera stuff as one of the, you know, um, uh, an elderly person attempting to, uh, uh, I don't know, rent a condo or something. Uh, hmm. So I don't know. Interesting. I'll, 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 have, ha- to, I'll have to yeah. look that up. I don't know. Can't remember. Yeah, I haven't I just haven't had seen that. anything about that, but interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, maybe I can um, look it up he's, real quick. He's certainly, um, I, I mean, I always say that um, everything I learned about being a good person or, or even really just a person, I learned from my parents and Norman Lear. We watched <laughs> all those shows when I was a kid, yeah. All in the Family, <clears throat> Mod, The Jefferson's Good Times, I watched One Day at a Time. I watched all those shows, and all those shows formed me as a person. To be to be a, a a liberal person and a and a thoughtful person, you know. Um, yeah, I do. I, I, I understand um, what you're saying. Yeah, they were definitely. Yeah, his shows 
definitely has social significance and 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 were created to not just entertain but to educate as well definitely right that that's, and I think that's everything, set him apart <clears throat> yeah i think well he's groundbreaking of course all in right. the family is hugely groundbreaking yeah. but i think everything my parents ever told me eventually that was backed up by an episode of a norman lear tv show you know every uh-huh. every lesson my Parents tried to teach me about being a good person and and caring about other people and uh, you know right whatever there would be an episode of a show of his that had the same message. I, I would agree with that. Oh, that that, that back that up. That documentary was actually a mini series mm-hmm. <coughs> called America Divided. And the blurb on it says, in the Mm. run-up to the 2016 presidential election, features narratives around inequality in education, housing, health care, labor, criminal justice, and the political system. Hmm. Was it on um, something like Showtime or HBO, or does it say? Um, doesn't say. Hmm, interesting. America Divided. America Divided. That's very recent. It says, since you said run-up to the... Yeah. Election of 2016. That right. would have been yeah, that was very recent. Mm-hmm. I think I had hmm. seen. I thought I had seen it on Showtime. Um, hmm. Does it show you in what you're looking at the name of the uh, American Masters episode or American Experience? Um, Sorry, I thought it might be right there. Ah, it was Epics. Uh, uh, oh, on Epics. On Epics, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Uh, yeah. September thirtieth was when that uh, premiered this uh, of last year. September thirtieth of last year. Oh, just recently. Right. Like right before the election. Yep. Definitely. Well, month before. Hmm. But interesting that you know a guy. Man, what did I say? How old did I say he was? Ninety-four years old. Ninety-four. And still. 94. Still active in. The so- sociological discussion, sociopolitical discussion yeah, of still, this country. You know? Finger, finger on the pulse, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, to to uh, one other thing, I guess about my visit to Houston. Okay. For my birthday, my nephew got me a copy of Tyler Oakley's book Binge, and I've been reading that. Huh, and it's really binge. interesting. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. You know, Tyler Oakley's a YouTuber. He's an openly gay YouTuber that I really like. He oh, that's right. Works. He has a, a uh, video channel or video show that he does for Ellen on Ellen's online service or whatever. I don't know what you even call that. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of his autobiography. And it's really interesting because he's actually told uh, I've only read about a third of it. But it's already had some really interesting, very open uh, things that he's talked about. It's not a it's not just a celebrity autobiography that that, you know, he talks about like in Dick's when being interested in Dick when he was a kid and okay. I mean, he, he, and having crushes on boys in school. And huh. he, he's he really uh, he really exposes himself as a uh, uh, in a way that's um, unusual. Hmm. And um, relevatory and very interesting. So I'm enjoying that. And my nephew got me that for my birthday. Okay. And it's a book I had wanted for quite a while. So right. that so, was cool. Yeah, it was a thoughtful gift then. Yeah, he knows me. He also got me an Andy Warhol thing, a couple of Andy Warhol things. Um, cool. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like we're soulmates. He's my nephew, but we're soulmates. Oh. Um, no one gets me like my nephew does. That's just the bottom line on that. 
Well, that's cool. That's very um, cool. And then Troy, Troy Savon, who is my other uh, LGBTQ YouTuber, mm-hmm. young guy. He put an album out last year. He's the guy I followed on. Uh, we went to see two of his concerts. I, I, um, oh, that's right. Call it. I grew. I was a groupie. You um, were. <laughs> he he put out he put out a music video this week for a song uh, that's on his album that came out last year. It's been out almost a year now, I think, or over a year. Um, and he has a song on there which is my favorite song on the record mm-hmm. called Heaven, and it's about how when you're young and you're gay and people tell you that God doesn't like gay people or love gay people that how you struggle with figuring out well then do i want to go to heaven or do i want to be myself if uh, god doesn't like gay people into heaven wow it's a really great really great song really moving song and it, it's it's one of those songs that talks about something that i think almost every gay young person thinks about yeah. when they realize they're gay and then especially if you come from an, a, a religious home or you know, even a even a home that's just only mildly religious, for lack of a better term. Sure, that sure. That idea that, yeah, something that, you know, I remember thinking about when I was young. Um, he put out a video for that song. It's black and white, and it's uh, so it's on YouTube. It's, it's freaking great. It has a lot of images of uh, LGBTQ um, people from the past, um, like Harvey Milk. Um, oh, okay. Right. And, and so, you know, a lot of images of, of act up, um, from the eighties and, and different things like that. Just a real homage to LGBTQ history. Um, uh, and then it's also got him, uh, hugging, a another guy that you don't see the face of the guy, but <laughs> okay. it's, a, it's a really great video. It's very, you know, it's a really great, um, queer video and, it's just I just love how and he released it the day before the inauguration. Ah, okay. Very purposefully definitely. well the day before the inauguration. So Certainly. Um definitely yeah. something worth worth uh Googling and getting on YouTube to check out. The song's great, the music video's great. Um so that was really cool. Um, well, yeah, now more than ever, I mean, voices like that need to be speaking out because uh, who knows what's going to happen under this uh, administration. Right. That's the other thing. You know, I had a list of shows coming up here that I that I'm uh, that are on my already need to remember to watch list or whatever. And one of them is that ABC has a mini series coming out called When We Rise, mm-hmm. which is going to be, I think, like the LGBT roots it's going it's about lgbt history um and it's uh, and it's several parts it's a mini series it starts on february 27th the second episode was supposed to air on february 28th and now trump has scheduled some kind of a tv press conference or something for that night yes i so I, now he's pre i heard about that he's preempting when we rise Think, and think it was intentional? No, I don't think it was intentional. But I think ABC could say, you know what? We had this show originally scheduled to air that night, and every other network is going to be airing Trump's speech, so we can air this instead. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> but they're not doing that, so. No, they're not. Whatever. Whatever. So, um, but that's definitely a show I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I think we talked, well, maybe we didn't, 
This Is Us got renewed for second and third season. Yeah, I think you mentioned that on the uh, last episode. Okay, yeah. And, uh, did you see the episode? The, the latest episode? Yeah. Indeed I did. Um, yes, more, more clues into um, the upcoming demise of Jack. Of course, that wasn't the most important the- part of the, uh, the, the show. The three birthday parties, um, Kate going, right. Kate going to um, the what would you call that fat place? camp? Yeah, fat camp, and for uh, lack of a better term, yeah, right. And uh, we find out that um, Kevin has an ex-wife. Oh yeah, who was a who he had known since he was young. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like wow. Yeah. There, there's a whole story arc that we're going to maybe see in flashback. Right. Yeah. It was interesting because I when you know he's talking to Toby and Toby says something about I I can't remember exactly what he tells him but he's like you know when you. Kevin's trying to figure out what to do because he has two right. girls he's interested in. And Toby says, close your eyes and and who's the first person you see or so I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. what he did, but but you expect and then Kevin goes and knocks on a door and uh, this blonde girl answers and at first I thought it was the actress right, that the, was in the play with him. Uh-huh. The first but actress. But it's actually Yeah, the first actor. Yes. But it's actually yeah. And I was like, no, wait a minute. That's not her. That's someone like, else. Who yeah, is I was that? like, who the hell is this? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was really, it was a really cool little twist there, mm-hmm. like they like to do on that show exactly. that you didn't see coming. Um, and then I thought the other thing that was interesting about that episode was that they do show Jack's funeral at the end. Right. And you see the triplets, and yeah. they look to be about 16 or 17. Right. So I, I, I was thinking, we, you know, young adult, but, you know, that, yeah, that could be anywhere from, yeah, 16 to 19. But, yeah, probably I closer. Guess, yeah. Probably yeah. closer to what you're saying, though, yeah. Yeah, F- I was 15, just thought, 16. oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they lost their dad when they were teenagers is what I was thinking. I was like, wow. Yeah. Because, I, you know, as, as I've said in the past, I think really what this show is about is three people who lost their dad and how that has affected their whole life. Well, true. It's certainly a big part of what that show is about. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of uh, interesting revelations and, um, and and new plot points to uh, to trace as well. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm excited that they've renewed it for a couple more epi- uh, seasons. And um, it just, you know, again, right. continue- it's certainly it's one of those shows that it, it started out on such a high level yeah. It'd be very difficult for them to keep that going right. for a long time. That high level of true interest, and, or I don't, I can't. Well, the funny thing is, just when you think they're going, they're you know they're settling into a pattern, they they throw you a you know a, a curveball, a new yeah yeah uh-huh. a new unexpected twist, but never never something that feels manipulative or or um uh wrong what's the word i'm looking for it doesn't never feels manipulative or forced or uh, unbelievable artificial you know yeah it doesn't right yeah yeah that's true it always feels uh genuine and and it and in a way it's just one of those things where in a way you're like um wow why didn't i see this coming but right you know it's it's we're so we've been fed a diet of of Contrivances, um, language on, mm-hmm. yeah, that w- the good, yes, exactly. That um, we, you know, it's nice to be surprised for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, 
These are almost um, they're almost like natural progressions that are right, happening, yeah. you know, and 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 yeah. you know the filling in of the complexities of of you know everyone's lives, all right. these little it's little funny. details that go into it. Yeah, go ahead. Right, because it's not you know. If you tried to describe the show to someone who hadn't seen it, you could make it seem like it's some sort of big mystery. And although there is a small element of mystery to it, yeah. in particular when and how Jack dies, yes, it, it's not. It's not about. It's not about figuring it out. No. It's not about figuring out some big mystery. No, it's, it's about. It's it's not who killed Laura Palmer. Right. <laughs> but it's also very much like you know. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's very much like when you meet someone. Uh -huh. You meet someone, you talk to them, you get to know them. Mm -hmm. But as your friendship progresses and you spend more time with them, you find out more and more about them. Some yeah. things that surprise you and some things that you right. kind of assumed. And that's exactly what that show is like. Yeah, It's it, like meeting meeting a new friend or a, uh -huh. group, a group of friends. It kind of unfolds as it unfolds. It's it's. It's not one big. Yeah. It's not one big curtain pull. It's it's you know it's a, it's a slow pulling away of covers on a bed. <laughs> I don't right <laughs> right yeah. I mean it, because in most dramas it's about here's the characters here's all the things you need to know to understand who they are now here's what they do yeah and that's not what this is at all this mm. is here's these characters here's a little bit about them here's what happens to them here's how that makes them feel because this happened. Yeah, it's really it's it's just such an interesting, unique, mm -hmm. great show. I'm so glad that the, enough people are watching it to for them to want to renew it for a couple more seasons, because apparently it's doing very well. Um, um, young people, 18 to 34, and which is a key demo, of course. Oh, definitely. So it's, so it's it's tapped into some zeitgeist some somewhere, somehow. I think so. Yeah. Certainly which is has amazing because. Yeah certainly seemed like it wasn't it was one of those shows that was so good that people weren't going to get it mm. um and i think people you know people have really gotten into it so okay well and just one other show i want to talk about that i watched uh within the last couple of days last night actually from when we're recording this right is on the cw the show riverdale which is the archie comics based tv show but it's on the CW, and really? it's huh. dark, and yeah, huh. it's called Riverdale. Yeah, it's Archie and Betty and Veronica mm -hmm. and um, uh, all the characters in that universe, as if they were in almost Twin Peaks, but not quite Twin Peaks. But, oh, but very, very Twin Peaksian. It's very Lynchian huh. in a certain way. It's really funny because it's it's obviously aimed at young people. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, so when I was writing some notes, I wrote Archie for the Lana Del Rey set. It's very <laughs> the music is very Lana Del Rey, that kind of dark, mysterious sound that she has. Um, huh. uh, but at the beginning, a character dies, and it's not a character that's from the comics that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, but it, they, you know, it's they all go to the same high school, so it's someone from the high school. And so if there's a bit of so at, at the beginning, they're all kind of um, mourning that character. OK. But and then there's weird stuff that happens like like uh, there was a thing at the beginning where the person who who uh, finds it's a it's a brother and sister and they're twins and the brother dies and they're on the, the river 
and um, the sister is found by a group of Eagle Scouts led by Dilton Doily. And I had totally forgotten about Dilton Doily. Wow. How can you forget about Dilton Doily? I don't, uh, <laughs> Blast from the past, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that, it's, that um, name did sounds you read familiar. Archie when you were a kid? I did, I did. He was I, the ner- I can't remember he, Dilton Doily, though. He was kind of the nerdy, science-y guy. Okay. So he was like their friend, but he was real nerdy and, and smart and science-y. Okay. But he was definitely um, a, a secondary character. He wasn't part of the... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Okay. And so... um. And also in this um, in this Riverdale, um, Archie has uh, Miss Grundy is hot and probably thirty, and oh, her you're and Archie, me. Uh-huh. her and Archie had an affair over the summer. Oh my gosh! That's right, Archie fucked Miss Grundy. That's oh, what's going on gosh. on this show. Wow, I mean, it's it's unique. It's different. Um, you're almost uh, making me want to watch this thing. I tell you, it's actually. I mean, it's dark and weird and different. It's it has nothing to do with the Archie comics. If they, it's just really weird that they could have done it and just given the characters other names. Right. I, I guess people maybe that would keep people from being curious as much as they are because it's an Archie thing. Yes. But it's like it's it's just. It's it has absolutely nothing to do with the comics other than the characters and their names. Uh-huh. And then like Archie's hot. He's not you know Archie in the comic is a nerd. He's hot in this. Um, but that you know Jughead is pl- that's kind of a big thing with comics though nowadays in general. There are these um, alternate comics of well known comics that are kind of like offshoot, almost like fan fiction run amok. If you know right, what I mean, right? Yeah. Well, there's and, uh, certainly, I, so you know, a couple. I mean, that's like it's like a trend in comic books today. So I can see that kind of carrying over in somebody doing a show like this. Right, right. You know, I got into Archie again a couple of years ago, just not really deeply into it, but I, I found out there was a gay character in the Archie universe called Kevin Keller. Right. He's also a character in the show, one of the main characters in the show. Oh. And um, hmm. yeah, so he's like the gay best friend to Veronica and Betty. So it's kind of okay. – it's very much – it's almost very Mean Girls-esque, you know, uh, very much that kind of a feel. Uh-huh. Um, only, only the rest of the show is dark. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, I got into I, – I, I bought some Kevin Keller comics, and then I started reading stuff online. And like there's a whole line of Archie comics – I think it's called Life with Archie, where uh-huh. there's one set where he marries Veronica, and there's another storyline that's like an alternate universe where he married wow. Betty. Wow, wow, And so – Okay. And then there was a thing where Archie died, and he actually died because someone was trying to um, – Kevin Keller was running for office, and I think someone was trying to assassinate him, yes. and Archie jumps in front of the bullet. Um, yeah, I think we talked about that in a previous uh, yeah. episode. So this this show Riverdale on CW on Thursday nights. Yeah. Um. Very very different. I'm definitely in. I want to watch more and see what happens. Really? Okay. Um. Yeah. I I was well. It's got Cole Sprouse in it playing Jughead and the Sprouse twins. I will watch read the phone book, but um, <laughs> but it's. It's it's really funny because because Jughead in this is more like an emo kind of a guy, you know. He's a complete dunce in the 
comic books. Right. But in this, he's he's writing a novel based on this murder. So he's kind of like a young investigative journalist. So, he, and, but he's also very emo. Doesn't oh. seem to have a lot of friends. Kind of lurks around in corners and stuff. Oh, just that's a, an interesting take on Jughead. Different, different, di- yeah, different, different, different. And they call him so Jughead. I'm kind of glad I watched it. Yep, they call him Jughead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hmm. Really. I, all right. I might. I might have to take a peek at it. Yeah. I. I definitely. I mean, you know, I definitely think if you if you're a Twin Peaks kind of person, if you're a Right. Um, what if some other sh- I mean, like Bates Motel, which is also coming back soon right. on uh, February 20. Yeah. I mean, if you like that kind of dark um, hour long drama, um, it's certainly in- interesting and different. OK, well, I'm, I mean, I'm on board. And with Archie's that. fucking Miss Grundy. So, well, there you go. <laughs> now, is, oh, and then Kevin is Archie still and in Moose? high school? Archie's still in high school? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, they're supposed to be like se- around the age of seniors. They're supposed oh, to be okay. like 17 or 18, I think. Yeah. Um, all right. Archie wants to be a musician and singer and Miss Grundy is the music teacher, so she he oh, wants her to help him, okay. mm-hmm. but he doesn't he she doesn't want to help him cuz she thinks it's a ploy cuz uh, of course she fucked him once and then said we can't do this anymore. Oh, like a teacher would. Okay. Or should. Okay. All right. And uh um, then there was a scene towards the end where Kevin Keller and uh-huh. the character Moose. Yes, I remember who is Moose. just a football player type guy. Right. He isn't a, he isn't super big and dumb like he is in the oh. uh Kevin Keller and him are going down to the water to skinny dip. Uh-huh. And um and it's certainly I can't remember exactly how they say it, but basically they're going down there to have sex. Uh-huh. Um um and then they discover the body of the the missing kid who the twin who had been oh. uh, who had, they had been mourning at the beginning interesting yeah. interesting okay. stuff so it's very much yeah. a who who killed right right that character yeah very much like twin Peaks. yeah and it's on the on the on the banks of a river yeah yeah Ooh. he's not dead wrapped in plastic though, oh, okay but, okay yeah but still <laughs> still uh i i was you know I've, i heard about this show probably six or seven months ago cole sprouse was talking about online about how he was cast as jughead in it uh-huh. and i was like and i expected it to be much more you like, know archie like, uh-huh yeah much more like the comics you know sure um but it's it's not it's weird and interesting <laughs> <laughs> all right wow so riverdale future updates coming on that i'm sure yeah riverdale okay. cool all right, man. All right, man. Yeah. I at, think it's time for a uh, an oblique strategy, perhaps. Oblique strategy, yeah. Of the week. An oblique strategy of the week. Right. Okay. Hear that? Yeah, what's that? Those are oblique strategy cards being shuffled. <laughs> Not really shuffled, just kind uh, of kind of fanned. Pushed around. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. So here we go. The Oblique Strategy of the Week. Magnify the most difficult details. Mm. Whoa. Okay. Magnify the most, the most difficult, difficult details. details. Huh. Does that mean to um, shine a spotlight on something that required the most effort so as to expose it as the hardest work that you put into it? I don't know. 
something like that. Right? Is it the most? Is it because the most difficult detail is, it could be different things? Doesn't necessarily mean the most, the biggest mistake or the most no, glaring mistake. No, but something that that you had to put the most effort into. Well, that, right. that kind of makes sense. I mean, just because it's difficult doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's it's a screw up. It just means that right. it required the most effort on your part. Well, that makes complete sense right. to me. Sure, of course you'd or, want to. Uh huh. It could mean the most difficult part for others to understand as well. Oh, well, that's true too. Hmm. Magnify the most difficult detail? details. Yes. Details. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, I like that one. That one's a I lot. I do too. That's a lot better than some cards we pulled in in uh, weeks past. Right. That are like right. Duh. This right. one. This one actually right. make, makes you think. Yeah. Yes. And it's I, very I, interesting because uh, I was thinking there's a card that said something like accentuate the mistakes, and I think there is a card that's very similar to that. Could be. Yeah. But. But this isn't accentuate the mistakes. Uh-uh. This is magnify the most difficult details. That's different than accentuate the mistakes. Exactly. Interesting. Huh. All right. Cool. Well, this has been a good episode, Mark Browner. It has been. It's been fun. Um, we both need, and my, my computer did not crash once. I know. What the heck? Isn't that awesome? That's terrific. So, so. I. I yeah, don't, I don't know what's different from uh, the other night when you were just trying to listen to uh, a previous podcast. Yeah, when uh, and it, yeah. you know, like two nights ago, I, I don't think it died. One night it just died one time, uh-huh. um, and then tonight it didn't. Wow, it hasn't so far anyway. And like I say, the good thing has been, Knockwood, that when it does die, it just goes to black. I just turn it back on. It boots up in normal time. Huh. And I get right back on. That's wild. <coughs> Very strange. Excuse me. Even last night when it died like seven or eight times, every time, booting back up, just boom, boom, boom. Wow. So, I don't know. It's like really we'll fast, fast reboots. Oh, That's strange. Yeah, yeah. Not doing any kind of uh, none of that. Obviously, well, of course, you know, I put a new battery in it, so I I don't oh, know. If the CMOS okay. maybe that CMOS ba- battery maybe was part okay. of the problem. Right. But anyway. Huh. I don't know. All right. Well. <sighs> All I know is I'm glad that it didn't crash multiple times. It didn't crash once, so Me hey, too. I'm very yeah, happy. Fantastic. So all, Me too. All I want to say is slide in next week for another fabulous episode of A Slippery Slope. Lodger out and proud, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>